well in your beds. Because if this thing comes true, there ain't gonna be any more. It's an elevator. Somebody sent those dead up here to get us. Now, there's no controls inside, but there's maintenance overrides in there. I was wrong. We were so wrong. We must leave. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? It sure is hot out there. You must be awfully thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) In the Commonwealth of New Hampshire? I don't know what the hell I'm saying. In the Commonwealth of Virginia? Yeah, that one. Uh, Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Doing well. Excellent. And because of tonight's topic... I in no way would have invited Kevin Letts. No, would I not? I would not. This is not his film. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, for folks who are curious, who are we? Who are we? Dark Discussions Podcast. If you stumbled upon us, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's a website uh, of genre news and things of that nature. Put many podcasts, including the Dark Discussions Podcast, which is the original podcast of the network, why the network is named Dark Discussions, and it is as old as 2011. So. That's older than a decade. Uh, for folks who want to contact us, they can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or email us through our website, darkdiscussions.com, and just choose the contact us menu choice uh, on any page of the website. And a box will pop up where you can fill in an email there. Just write Dark Discussions in the title, and we will know that uh, it is for this podcast because, again, this email is for all the podcasts on the network. Um, we will read your email on the podcast. And uh, if you have things such as discussions on films we've talked about, uh, want to comment on the podcast itself, uh, discuss a film that you saw that was interesting and want to talk about it, anything like that, uh, we will read your email on the podcast. Also, Eric, what else can people find on darkdiscussions.com? They can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon allows you to financially support your online artists. Producing the show is not free. We have to pay for things like uh, web server hosting and uh, domain names and computer equipment and movie rentals and so on and so forth. So if you would like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or follow the Patreon link on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, hey, indeed. hey, you know, you know what else people could do if they want to communicate with us? 
yell real loud. They can, <laughs> and they could do that, and they can do that if they wanted Mystic Connecticut. I don't know if we have time for that, but um, you know, we we do have a meetup coming up in just about a week, and then yeah, uh, I don't know if probably another... yell by then. No, but then, but then, but then they can always do it next year because we tend to do it annually when there is no global pandemic going on. <laughs> That's true. This will be the first time in three years. I'm looking forward to it. Right. Indeed. Same here. Same here. And uh, we're going to meet some uh, folks that we never met before, except through Facebook, such as Gage Fultz. Uh, so that'll be exciting to meet him. He's one of our listeners, longtime listener, and uh, he will be joining us in Mystic, Connecticut, as well as uh, Kevin Letts uh, and uh, Leo Pond, uh, among other folks, including spouses. So it'll be exciting uh, to see everybody in person in the great restaurant of Mystic Pizza. And then, of course, we will be doing a in-person podcast at a movie on Saturday that we will it's see be determined. together with everybody and yet to be determined. That is right. Exactly. And, and you know what, one, thing, oh. one thing I've learned from watching a lot of horror movies there is absolutely nothing to go wrong by meeting up with strangers. Uh, right. You know what, though? Remember the first time we met up back in 2013? And it was just yes. you, me, and Phil? Yeah. And you guys were like, I hope he's not a serial killer. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I, I showed up the last. You guys were already there. With, but Pam, Eric, Mike had Pam with him, so you were, you were outnumbered even before I showed up. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you, they they, they were they but, were protected. But like, what I don't understand is, I drove the furthest to get there. Why are you guys suspicious of me? Is the one that's the serial killer? That's what I don't understand. Really, Mike's more the type. Because the serial killer will drive really far. <laughs> well, Eric Eric was staying with his brother who lived in the area at the time. So oh, even hard. worse. Yeah. yeah so it's a family. <laughs> that makes me think of black phone. <laughs> oh jeez, uh, but yes, yes, I, I'm. Uh, I was uh, very concerned about Mike. Mike, no, I'm just kidding. It's all good, <laughs> and we still uh, are. No, nobody <laughs> suspects you when you bring. Nobody suspects when you bring the woman along. Right. That is true. That is true. Yep, that's the beard of the serial killer. Exactly. Hey, help me get this couch in the van. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Don't even say, go there. <laughs> oh, Eric! Do, oh, say the voice. Do it. Do it. Was she one of those great big fat people? Yes, that's the best. Eric, you're the best. Like, it's awesome. I, I, I can, I can have Eric say that like continuously for the next twenty four hours, and it's like crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and it does not surprise me. Better than an orgasm. Anyway, wow, I, it, dude, that, that is awesome, dude. <laughs> I don't know whether to be, be flattered or creeped out. Oh, it's me, so what do you expect? <laughs> Just ask Mike. He's the one that always says that. It's Phil. He's nuts. Anyway, um, but then again, it's Mike saying that, so just take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, grain of salt. Um, all right, so uh, a couple other things. Uh, one of our listeners, Pam, uh, who's always curious when we record this, this is on August 11th. 2022 that we're recording that and actually we will be seeing pam as well at mystic so that will be exciting as well uh recently retired so we'll we'll, we'll do a cheers to that uh but either way uh what that means is that pam is old 
<laughs> you retire, you're old. Um, yes, yes, she is. So uh, let's get into our topic tonight. Uh, if we have news or any other information, such as uh, what we've been watching or whatnot, and we have time at the end, we will uh, discuss that. Uh, there will is a prequel to this film coming out in September, so we'll probably talk a little bit about that probably during the episode. And um, that's pretty much it. One other thing I wanted to mention, and I'll let Mike do it since he's always good at doing it. Uh, Mike, what can people do on Apple Podcasts and things like that? Well, they can leave us a five-star review uh, or a review of any sort. Uh, we prefer five stars, uh, but it helps raise our profile, helps get us noticed. Uh, and help us helps us to reach more people to either bring the joy or share the pain, depending on how you look at it. So if you can go to whatever your, your Apple, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any of the other various podcast network services and leave us a review, we would be very appreciative. Indeed, indeed. So once again, thank you very much for any reviews or Patreon donations. So, I think with all that stated, Eric, what are we going to discuss tonight? Sorry, <laughs> the way you said that cracked me up for some reason. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 2022 movie. Uh had a theatrical release early in the year and is currently available on disc and digital rental. Uh, written and directed by Ty West called X. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly son bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? Much obliged. I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. No. 
boys found this inside. What do you think is on it? Let's see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. That's right. X is written and directed and co-edited by Ty West. Uh, it's a film from 2022. A A24 distributed film. Uh, the film stars a number of folk, including uh, Mia Goth, uh, Brittany Snow, Jenna Ortega, Scott Mescuda, Mescudi, Martin Henderson, Scuddy. Owen Scuddy. You're, you're absolutely right. That, I should have known that. Yeah. Uh, Martin Henderson, Owen Campbell, Stephen Yore, and uh, in a small part, James Galen as Sheriff Dentler. Uh, the film um, received uh, excellent reviews by critics, uh, even though it did make a theatrical release, uh, the budget of $12 million, it actually only made $14.4 million, but that's a profit, and $2.2 million ain't shabby. So uh, the film came out uh, March 18th in the United States, which is uh, where we are, so that's the reason why we'll consider it a 2022 film. Uh, and it actually um, uh, did South by Southwest only a few days earlier, so it is pretty much a 2022 film, even as a uh, convention or festival run. Um, the film, um, as stated, was uh, by Ty West, who's probably best known for a number of films, including um, The Sacrament, uh, The Innskeepers, Cabin Fever 2, and House of the Devil, as well as acting in many films, uh, including... Uh, Good Lord, what's the name of that film? Uh, that, that that slasher film from a couple of years ago that we directed with that Australian chick is the survivor girl, but she plays an American. Anyone know? Anyone? 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 It's uh, You're Next. That's it. You're Next. Yes. Oh, 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 yeah. okay. Yes. Uh, he is part that of was, the that was That was all more than a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's t- uh, 2011. Uh, that's going to... Our first Ooh. year of the podcast, as a matter of fact. Oh, my God. Speaking <laughs> of feeling old. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, and and uh, he's part of the Mumblecore group. For folks who want to know what Mumblecore means, just wiki it or, or Google it. Uh, but it's a group of directors and actors. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, SGs, uh that, that do a, a certain type of film where there's a lot of dialogue more than, than anything else. Um, the, that, the, the group that comes from um, that uh, Mumblecore, and they're all buddies, includes Adam Wingard, who's gone on to do big things, Simon Barrett, and probably the best known of the bunch, uh, Greta Gerwig, I think her name is, who's done such films as, I think, Little Woman and, and whatnot. Um, the, and, and actually has received an Academy Award nominations. Uh, the film uh, is an older film, as stated, but uh, yeah, we, uh, some of us missed it at theaters, and now that it's uh, we have a quote-unquote dead spot, we were able to get it in as a VOD to discuss and talk about it tonight. So after five or six months later, when people have heard about it through other podcasts, they can hear another perspective, and let's discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So it's Salvi Barrett. Um, I thought this movie was overhyped a little bit. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I actually enjoyed it. I think the second viewing more than I did the first. 
Um, but it still wasn't, you know, I think I was expecting too much. Um, but there are some really cool scenes in this movie that I really like. We'll get into that when we talk. Um, and it's generally very enjoyable. It'll probably make my top 10. Um, but I'm not positive yet. We'll see what else comes out this year. All right. Sounds good. Uh, for me, um, I heard about it because when it came out, um, people on Facebook were talking about it and stuff. And it was a theatrical release. I know Mike had seen it at theaters. Maybe you did Eric too. Uh, so so there was a a bit of talk about it. And, uh, at the time I wasn't able to see it. And, uh, so I had to wait until it came out on VOD and I actually saw it for the first time, uh, last night. Uh, Eric mentioned it is on disc or rental on VOD. I actually purchased it for $9.99 on VOD through Apple um, Movies or Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever it's called now. Um, and so I uh, watched it last night. Um, I've had a mixed reactions to Ty West. Uh, to be honest, that's not really true. It was only one film I disliked by him, which was called The Innskeepers. But all the other films that I've seen him do, I've, I've enjoyed tremendously. Uh, the Sacrament. I think I listed it as the best film of the, that year, 2013, for horror. I, I love that film incredibly. Uh, so as much as I loved The Sacrament, I hated The Innskeepers. Uh, but I did like uh, House of the Devil and, and such as well. Um, so this it, film it, here... It, it, it's it's yeah. just to be clear, he, uh, for, for listeners who have, were not here 10 years ago, uh, to say Phil hated The Innskeepers is really sugarcoating it. That is true. That was the a running joke for a good three to four years early in the podcast history uh, about the innskeepers and how much I hated that film. It was so you know, what's even funnier is if you go and find, um, I think it may might have been one of the episodes we first recorded, the three of us. Um, you can hear Phil on mic talking about how much he's looking forward to the innskeepers. Oh, my God. And, so and really just makes <laughs> me laugh my ass off now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, because I like the House of the Devil so much. I said, "Oh, this Inscrip is going to be so awesome," and it was like the worst film ever. And so, yeah, that was one of my first examples on the podcast of Oops. overhype and going, "Whoops, that was not what I was hoping for." Um, now, for X, uh, X uh, has, has received a lot of uh, talk on uh, the internet, Facebook, and social media through the people that we all know how much it, they loved it, uh, and the critics loved it too. Um, and, um, I should have known that again, most of the people we associate with on Facebook are slasher fans and like Kevin Letts and a few other folks, Sean Fox and such, uh, I'm not a huge slasher fan though. I do love a lot of the old slashers, uh, but it's not my preferred genre. Um, but this film here, uh, it's really good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did have the overhyped problem that i usually do that eric tries to um calm me about but sometimes that fails and so i was like this is gonna be the best ever and it's just good it's 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 pretty good um but i don't know if it's a top 10 it could be um but it's it's yeah it doesn't even come close to the cursed or some other films that we we've discussed earlier in the year uh as the best of um it does have blood and boobs and a lot of really good uh, kills and a lot of really good hot naked chicks, but um, it's, it's okay. Uh, I liked it, but I, I mean, I'm not going to 
be like the people on Facebook earlier in the year that said, this is the greatest, best film ever. Because it isn't the best film ever. But it is a really good film. Uh, let's go view Eric. Um, I actually did see this in the theater. Uh, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, this is probably going to make my end of year list. Um, however, for, for, for particular reasons, um, if you are appreciative of the craft of filmmaking, I think this film will hit home with you more uh, than just from a uh, story standpoint. Um, Cause there are really some uh, very fine filmmaking aspects going on here, like the cinematography um, and just, it has uh, it, it very intentionally, uh, a 70s look and feel to it uh, that Ty West just nails right on the head. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of shots that felt like they come straight out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which Ty West has clearly watched 5,000 times. Um, so I was I was very appreciative of that. I thought there was some really good filmmaking. Um, I, I was paying attention when I did a rewatch this week. Um, it's about an hour into the movie. Uh, before you get your first kill. So it is very slow paced to start with. Um, I personally, I think the reason this was more effective for me than it is for some people is because for the first hour, even though there was, wasn't any action going on. Um, I was just really enjoying the watching the movie, the look of it, the feel of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like this movie quite a bit and I think it has at least two contenders for kill of the year. Uh, that being said, I understand why some people wouldn't be into that that first hour. Uh, it might get people looking at their watch a little bit. <laughs> I, I want to um, agree with you totally on the um, the look and feel and everything about it. It it, it does yeah, it's a really folk good job there. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to say that I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it on Blu-ray a couple nights ago, and I buy a lot of stuff digitally now, just quite frankly for the space savings mm -hmm. uh because my book my bookcase where i keep my movies is fucking full um so um i did buy this on blu-ray and i watched it on blu-ray and i just want to state for anybody out there is like why would i ever buy a disc um man the sound quality <laughs> the sound quality on a Blu-ray as compared to streaming is just so superior. Um, and I should do that more often because I have a fancy sound bar. It was one of the first Atmos sound bars to hit the market. Um, it's pretty kick-ass. Um, but I don't often get the benefit of it when I'm streaming stuff because the audio is compressed and it's just not as good. Um so, and then I know there's been a lot of talk recently, especially with the we Warner Brothers mess that's going on. Um, a lot of content recently has just been disappearing, and you can't find it on any digital service, and sometimes not even on disc. Some of the stuff is disappearing forever. Um, so if there's a movie that you love, I would encourage you to acquire a physical copy of it. Um, and yeah, the, the Blu-ray for X is great. And that's why I own a a disc does it of have, the innkeepers. Does it have, Eric, does it have extras? Uh, it has a few extras. It doesn't have a commentary, unfortunately. I don't think Ty West does that. Um, it does have, uh, I don't want to spoil anything quite yet, but it does have um, a featurette about some of the makeup. Um, 
and then it does have like a behind the scenes with a few interviews with cast and crew and so on and so forth. Uh, so not, not a huge amount of extras. Um, but, uh, I'm just saying as far as the quality of the picture and the sound, they did it. Yeah, very good. Uh, I will say, uh, though I bought the, the digital copy of the film, uh, the surround sound is pretty solid, uh, but probably compressed compared to uh, the disc. Uh, but at least the sound, surround sound, worked. Um, That's cool. And I would, I would, I would say that the first hour was the best part of the film, personally. Okay. But I've always, I've always liked the the, the slow burn, so I'm, I'm kind of like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Mike. Yeah, so I've actually seen the film now three times. I saw it first day it was in theaters because I was going to see a movie, and it was the movie in theaters that fit my schedule. Uh, then found out my wife wanted to see the movie, so I went to see it again. Uh, and then I watched it again for the podcast. Um, and I do enjoy it, I think, more with each viewing. Um, I actually think it's funny because I was seeing a lot. Of, I liked it a lot. I was seeing a lot more comments because I was just noticing them where people were disappointed in the film. And I think it's because people were expecting it to be a grindhouse exploitation film and not a Ty West, a 24 film. And it is not nearly as exploitation. Uh, as I think some people were expecting, I think they were expecting something a lot Cabin more over the top. I haven't seen cabin fever two in a long time. I, that one, that's the one of his films that I didn't care for. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was meh. It felt like, you know, like, which is what it was, a direct-to-video sequel. So I'm not really sure. I, I don't remember much of it at all. Um, but anyway, uh, I think this is a smart film. There's a lot of stuff in it I didn't catch the first time you, and stuff you can catch in rewatch. It has um, a, a, a what I thought was a joke that most audiences are not going to catch which is one of which is I thought a brilliant hut and I'll explain that and then um, I mentioned before we got on that it has something in common with the movie severance uh, and we'll I'll mention that later without spoiling anything but it also is a movie that's it's a slasher film sort of but it has something to say it's a porno film sort of but it actually has something to say and it's not subtle this is not a nuanced Oh, if only you knew that the lemonade represented <laughs> capitalism. You know, it's not something like that. It's not a nuanced message. It's about um, about youth and age and, you know, the effect of time that has, you know, the, the time it has on us all um, and enjoying your youth while you have it. Um I think you have an, maybe a, an unintentional commentary about our attitudes towards sex versus violence because you have two characters that are very violent towards people because they are very free with sex, and so sex is terrible, so they kill people. So, um, And, uh, yeah, I think the performances are really good. Um, it is a beautiful film to look at. It does also have one of my favorite films of the year which is a uh, not films kills of the year which is a uh a definitely a, one of our checkoff moments <laughs> there are there are three clear checkoffs in this film that i could think of and uh two of them are are literally checkoffs guns 
and uh, then there's Chekhov's something else. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I like it a lot. I recommend checking it out. I recommend keeping your your expectations in check because, you know, yes, it's the first half is nominally kind of sort of about making a porno film, but it is not something where you're going to see a whole lot of gratuitous nudity. Um, this has more gratuitous nudity than most horror films you see nowadays. But if you grew up in the 80s, where like there were boobs in children's films, just, you know, just to keep the parents awake, um, you know, it, it's not going to be such an, you know, so much uh, boobage out there that um, you're going to go, I'm impressed. But uh, it's there. But yeah, so I like it a lot. And this is, this is if I were to, this is definitely for me at the moment. Uh, I think a top five film of the year, and I, and I think it's gotten better with their reviewing. All right, sounds good. Uh, so that's our thoughts and how we heard about the film. And uh, Eric, do we have a IMDb or wiki? Wiki, wiki. Um, and I, I am going to modify this on the fly because it's, it's a little spoilery. Um, so in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas, but things don't go as planned. Okay, sounds good. Um, so for folks who are new to the podcast or those who are loyal listeners, uh, what we do here on the Dark Discussions podcast is that we review films, but we don't just review films. We critique and dissect and talk about a lot of things, such as symbolism and what the writer or director are trying to portray. Uh, that's kind of what Mike was kind of alluding to at some things, and uh, we'll talk about that stuff. So that means we'll spoil the film. But before we spoil the film, we will throw up a spoiler alert. So at some point, very shortly, we will do that. But until then, uh, we will not spoil the film and just talk general things, such as maybe Ty West's career or some of the people in the film or the genre itself and slashers, things of that nature. So uh, you uh, are now known uh, what we do here. And I guess I'll start. Um yeah, I, I, I want to bring up what Mike mentioned about, you know, enjoy your youth and things of that nature, which is absolutely true. Uh, but I, th I think it's it's looking at enjoy your youth through a specific lens, uh, because um, we, we know that m many people can have, uh, you know, like, for example, my 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 sister's son, my, my nephew, he met his girlfriend in high school and he married his girlfriend from high school and they're happily married, and they have kids. And what my what the general thing is of enjoying your youth, what this film may be meaning, or what Mike was thinking it means, or what Mike you're implying. You, you know, I'll let you talk and explain. But I, I think I think it's just a certain way that it's saying to enjoy your youth because you can enjoy your youth just as my nephew did because he locked down to finding his uh, best friend in high school, marrying her, having children in his twenties and uh, enjoying life. What I, I believe is, is very happily versus say what quote unquote, this movie is saying being young and happy and enjoying life can mean so I, I think it's it's various perspectives uh go ahead I, i'm gonna jump in before mike answers because i really think we should postpone this discussion post spoiler um okay yeah. uh, because there's some specific plot elements um 
involved that I really want to discuss. Uh, casting elements. In, 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 well, casting elements and um, elements not only involving the examination of, of taking advantage of your youth, but also our, our fear of aging. Um, and I'd really like to have, have an in-depth discussion of that, but I think we should do a post-spoiler so we don't give anything away. Yeah, and, and that's that's fair. That's fair because there's one character, especially uh, Lorraine, uh, who's an interesting character, and um, I guess she's the pivotal character of, of determining uh, what Mike is 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 discussing or what the film is discussing, and Mike is just bringing up, and uh, whether she's right or wrong, or just who she is. Uh, can be debated, and uh, that's fair. We we can bring all that up after the spoiler alert. Oh, I uh, think there's um, yeah, there's Lorraine, there's RJ, there's uh, Pearl, and there's Maxine. Are the four kind of four characters that I think epitomize the themes, and then the others are just there as maybe sounding boards or as more bodies and and other things. But in terms of driving that theme, I think home, sounding. I think sounding boards actually. But go on. But I, yeah, I, I terms think of, the characters are, are more important than even if they don't focus on on the themes. But go on, Mike. I'm right, saying in terms of, of characters who are either there to illustrate the theme or who are characters who change through the film, those are the four that we're looking at. Sure, sure. And that that once again is Maxine, the Rain, and RJ, and who's the and Pearl, right? And Pearl. Who is the old woman? So yeah, and and the and and the subject of the upcoming prequel film. This is true. Yep. Which, which I had no, under, I could not understand what that meant until I saw this film, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now." Because <laughs> the actress of uh, Pearl is I think that's just 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 as well known. That the, we're not, even, uh, I mean, not necessarily because <laughs> people are going to have questions. Yeah. There's, there's. Okay. Let's wait and get into the thing. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, anything else anybody wanted to bring up uh, non-spoiled general stuff? I mean, obviously, Eric brought up most of the important points about um, the faux grindhouse or faux 70s look of the film. Um, th- th- this is not a new thing. I mean, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez uh, have done it in the past, um, and that kind of brought it to the mainstream. Um, midnight movies... Uh, because of Quentin Tarantino, among a few other directors, have uh, become uh, important films. So what we do here on Dark Discussions is not just talk about horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrills, techno thrills, mysteries, grindhouse, outhouse, midnight movies, and the like, but we also talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. And uh, this film here is part of that faux, uh, older, faux, faux, I guess, genre film that is a genre film, that um, has drawn some importance. Um, A24 is known to take genre films and and do elevated horror, if you prefer, even though it's a terrible term. Um, and so, so this film has elements that are more than just boobs and blood and, and stuff, and just like most of the films we talk about, to be honest. Um, There's, uh, I was just going to say, there is... Um Aside from the seventies look and feel, there are some just really cool shots in here that I really liked. Yeah. 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 Um, I also want to yeah. comment for a moment on the acting in this movie. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I knew who Mia Goth was. Um, Jenna Ortega is, is up and rising scream queen. Um, 
she was in the the scream movie earlier this year as well. Uh, she's she's making her Babysitter. name for herself in Second. the genre. Um, yeah, so she's we're going to see more of her. I have no doubt. Uh, Brittany Snow was oh, an interesting awesome. choice. Yeah, because Brittany Snow has uh, kind of a squeaky clean image coming into this. She was in the Pitch Perfect movies, mm-hmm. uh, which are pretty tame, <laughs> family friendly to say the least. Um, you think being in the Pitch Perfect the- films are, is, is get you a good reputation? Is that? <laughs> um, and she comes into this movie playing a porn star, so it was, it was really interesting to to see her doing that. Uh, and then Kid Cudi, uh, I understand he's a musician. I honestly never heard his music, um, but he seemed to do quite well as an actor in this movie. I thought he was he was fine. He was good. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I was just I was just uh, appreciative of the the caliber of acting in this movie. That's Armand Henderson, right? Kid Cuddy? Uh, no. no. Kid Cuddy is Kid Cuddy. If you look on IMDb, it says Kid Cuddy. Oh, you're right. Armand Henderson's a guy from... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so it's Scott Mescudi. That's Kid yeah, Cuddy. Yeah, that's that's his actual name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but there... Yeah, you're right. I mean, Brittany Snow, uh, even though she has a squeaky clean past, she's, she's done some really good films, including... Uh, in genre, including uh, Would You Rather? She was the star of that film. And uh, I know Mike's seen that film. That's a really good film. For some reason, it was a film that that we missed reviewing. Not sure why. Um, but it wasn't a movie that got a big release. It was a straight to Netflix kind of thing. And yeah. it's just a lot of people have caught it on Netflix. The fact that it stars uh, Jeffrey Combs probably helps. But um, yeah, that's one of those things that just a lot of people. Oh yeah, have you seen Would You Rather? Um, and and it kind of kind of caught on. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really good film. I've seen it a number of times. I got the disc. Uh, and then Ahmad and Henderson uh, was uh, the ex-husband uh, of Naomi Watts in The Ring. So uh, he was the lead male in that. Uh, so the cast uh, has some um, pretty pretty solid folks, both um, younger folk as well as um, character actors. Um, and he was in one of the creepiest scenes of the, line of the movie. Uh, two people talked at the same time. What was that? I was just saying Martin Henderson did deliver my favorite line in the movie. Gotcha. And Barrett, what were you saying? Um, he was in the creepiest scene in the ring, I thought. It gave me the shivers, <laughs> his scene in that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would concur. I, I don't even have oh, to say Oh, was the he scene. the husband? Yeah, he was the husband. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, yeah. He, he, in this film here, he kind of had the... Uh, the um, what's that Texas actor that did Frailty? Um, Bill Paxton. No, the other one. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. He had the oh, Matthew okay. McConaughey thing going in this film for sure. Yeah. Um, I felt. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I, I I kind of picture him every time I watch the film. Like, I feel like if this movie like had cost one hundred and thirty million dollars to make, they would have had Matthew McConaughey in his role. Yeah, absolutely. I would concur, 100. Um, percent he, he he. When I saw the film, I, I honestly it was for a second. I said, "Is that Matthew McCartney?" And so I had to look it up to find out who it was. And I said, "Oh, that's the guy from the ring." But man, he he played Matthew McConaughey perfectly in this film. I'll tell you that. Um, so uh, it's also, also a good good a good example of how sometimes you don't have to pay a shitload of money for Matthew McConaughey because there's a lot of really good actors out there who can do the job just as well. 
Indeed. Yeah. Well, well, that, that's that's how how uh, uh, Hollywood and TV and Netflix and is, is turning out. Where, um, as as Mike has mentioned numerous times, besides Tom Cruise, there is no stars anymore, um, and it makes sense because with the splintering of audiences and hundreds of television shows and movies, never mind independent films, now get as high profile release on VOD as, as non-independent films. Um, it makes sense that there's a lot of good actors and actresses that uh, aren't household names that pop in films like this and, and are good. I mean, as I've, I said as a joke offline to Barrett uh, about Eric, Eric always says, oh, I'd love to see her or I'd love to see him in another movie. And of course, and actually I said it to you too, Mike, and of course that person we never see again but the point yeah was, like what's her face from lovely molly Damn right. it, she disappeared exactly or, or the girl from paranormal activity that you said you liked or whatever mm-hmm. that these these people are you know really good on screen and they just disappear um but as mike just mentioned it shows that you don't need the big name in roles all you need is good good performance and you know, this film has Gretchen a good Lodge, That's her name. I had to look it up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, what else do we want to talk about that's non-spoilery generally? I, I'll mention uh, obviously the makeup. We'll get into the spoilery section. We'll talk about makeup and stuff. Um, special effects are good. I, I, it's curious why they went that route. Um, and we'll explain what I mean that route later. Uh, versus- Symbolism, Phil. Versus, you're probably right. Yeah, that's all. Symbolism and prequel. That's the reason why. But you could have a prequel whether or not they went this route. But, oh, but yeah, again, but this is better. We'll, we, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, what you said, Eric. I, I think I think you you pinpointed it. Uh, any, anything else that anybody wanted to bring up uh, that's non-spoiler about this film? Anything? I like the song they picked to go over the credits. Yeah, yeah there is there is good music selection. Um, and we'll oh yeah, that landslide is, that landslide scene was awesome. Yeah. That, that was fantastic. Uh, there is um, I, one thing I did like. This is not spoilery, um, because it's pretty well known. This is talking about uh, guys making a porno, men and women making a porno. In 1979, and I think it was interesting that they said it in 1979, because it is putting it in the 70s. Second, uh, back-to-back films take place in 1979. Yeah. Time after but time. It, after but it's putting it at a point where, unlike Time After Time, which was set in 1979, because that's when the movie was basically made or released, this was made in 1979, I think, because it is still in the 70s, but it's about to enter into a new age. And that's part of the reason. Right. But it's, it's, we're moving into a new period of time. We're about this chapter of American history is about to close and a new chapter is about to open. And that is part of the theme of the idea of the making of the porno is that they want to make us. They they have a vision of home video pornography. So you're not, you know, you're you're not stuck sitting next to Paul Rubens in a theater. (laughs) <laughs> right right and uh martin right. henderson's character in this movie is really 
I, I mean, if you stop and think about it, he's really kind of a visionary um, because he sees where it's going. And, and historically he's absolutely right. So uh, had things turned out better for him, uh, he, he might've been a rich man. <laughs> uh, and offline, I was speaking to um, Barrett uh, this afternoon. And I mentioned to him that another thing that was interesting about this film is that our group of characters, the young folk, not, not the, the, the owners of the property, but the young folk were all characters that I liked. I, I did not dislike any of them uh, yeah. at all. And so when they, any of them passed away or, or were murdered because again, this is a slasher film. So I don't think we're, we're spoiling anything by saying some of these characters will be killed. If not all of them, um, it was kind of sad because I liked them all. I liked every mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, there was not one character, whether it was, uh, RJ or, or Wayne or Lorraine or Bobby Lynn or any of them. I, I liked them all. I, I think they were all great. Um, but that was, well, there was that cashier. I was not fan, I was not terribly fond of the cashier. Uh, obviously, Mike's being humorous because that was a small part at the beginning. I'm talking about the the crew of the of the film. Um, so, uh, anything else that anybody want to bring up? Is it? Yeah, I, I think we should throw spoilers. up the spoiler flag so we can yeah. get into it. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, I guess we can throw up the spoiler flag. So, uh, we'll spoil, spoil the film going forward. But again, that's because we dissect. And critique, not just review the film. So you've already heard our review of the film. Now, if you're interested in all the other elements, uh, we are about to begin that. So the spoiler flag has been thrown up, and we can talk about anything and everything. So uh, where do we want to begin? Do we want to begin with uh, that uh, youth thing that Mike and myself were talking about prior to the spoiler? We we can start there, and and I apologize for abruptly cutting off the conversation earlier. I just thought it was appropriate. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So uh, what, what, what do we want to talk about after what I said and what Mike said about youth? Uh, again, um, just for to, uh, less than 30 seconds to explain what we were talking about. Uh, the film, Mike said, is talking about don't waste your youth and youth versus being old and, and what you can and cannot do after certain points in your life versus my point, which is that it's only one perspective of what uh, not wasting youth is because other folks that are very happy can say that, oh, I got married at 23 and I oh. had a kid at 25 and, and, and we, we had a blast. So, so it's, it depends on perspective and maybe this. No, I'm not saying that one perspective. Well, I'm not saying that the film necessarily is supporting outright hedonism. Um, although I don't know that it's necessarily finding any problems with it. Um, but I think it's just the fact that you have these characters on two ends of the age spectrum, two people who are very old and, by the way, very much in love and very dedicated to each other. Um, and then a group of young people who um, remind them of their own youth and what they can't have anymore. And I think the idea that youth is fleeting. Right. And we are we joke all the time now about. You know, Life is fleeting. Never mind youth. Yeah, about the fact that we uh, we are old. We're old. <laughs> we, we are old, and we are reminded of it constantly because we live in a youth culture. Someone shared recently on Facebook um, uh, a meme. You know, it said, you know, it was something like uh, I could feel myself decaying. Where said a student wrote, 
despite being set in the late 1990s, uh, The Matrix still has a lot of themes relevant to today. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and so, I mean, we know this, right? You can look at well, young it's... people and we can see it. Like, like when I see some young people, I know I remember that age. I remember young love. And you can remember and look at it kind of wistfully and romantically and say, and remember, I remember there's also a lot of shitty things that go with being young, too, like not mm-hmm. having any money. Um, not having any clues. Not having any clues, <laughs> not having any respect. Um, having a lot of, of responsibilities thrown on you without any of the real perks. You know, but the one perk you do get, if you're lucky, uh, unfortunately, there are people who don't get this, is if you're young and you're healthy, you do have that body you can use. And and if you take care of it, you can keep it till you get considerably older. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, things do start breaking down pretty much when you hit 40. Well, and that's that's like the phrase that people say all the time, right? Youth is wasted on the young. Because uh, yes. when you're young, you don't think about the fact that you are young and, and you haven't started aging yet. You're just like, life, wee! Because uh, <laughs> you don't Carpe know what Dion. the other side is. Yeah, but it's also, if you were aware of what it's like to get old, I don't know that you could enjoy your youth in the yeah, same way. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because there has um, because you have that carefree attitude that you don't when you get older well and on the flip side of this the aspect of this movie that i actually found even more fascinating uh because i was seriously thinking about this for about a week after i watched the movie in the theater is what this movie has to say about our fear of aging um right and often um it was the audience reaction that really got me thinking about this Um, because there's a scene later in the movie when this older married couple has sex and the entire audience is like, ew, gross. Oh, oh God. ah." And why do we, why do we, why do we think that way? Um, Why is it that two old people in love are, are having sex? Why no, is that why, us? Well, why is it that we take the old wrinkly brown bananas and throw them in the trash? That's um, <laughs> well, and it's well, also like why? Why is it that we that we are so disgusted by wrinkles um, or, or or liver liver spots? Why are why are those negative things? And why is it so ingrained in us uh, as a negative? Well, um, so our our perspective of aging. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about that after I saw this movie. I think a lot of it is, I mean, I, I'm coming from my perspective and my background. I think biology is a, a significant part of it because, you know, you just have, there's, there's a, there's a biological imperative. There's a biological sex is a thing that comes from a biological drive to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And if you are getting attracted to old people, it's going to reduce your chances of successfully procreating. Okay, fair enough. You know, so now it doesn't hold up necessarily in a logical examination because that's a mutual thing between two people, but it is still just a just just sort of an instinct. Look, people like to look at attractive people. You know, it it just it's it's the fact. 
We all like but, looking but at attractiveness. I guess, I guess more the question I find interesting is why is that standard of attractiveness the younger people? Yeah. Uh, and because, because, I, well, uh, it, it depends on your definition of younger. It, it's a certain, obviously, it's a certain look as well. Because, I mean, now it dear old woman like Nicole Kidman, and everybody would still say she's a fox, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, even even though she's 50 and not, you know, 23 like me. Um, so it, it's more than, than age, uh, but uh, it's, it's like Mike said, it, it, there's a standard of, uh, of a biological thing um, that are programmed in, in folks, but obviously, um, you know, the, there's a reason why... All right, so we are back uh, recording. Uh, this is a two weeks uh, interval from the prior 35 minutes of this podcast because we had some technical issues. So we're picking up right where we left off. And uh, as uh, mentioned, Eric mentioned something about what happened in the theater during one of the sex scenes. Eric, why don't you explain that once more and we'll, we'll start from there. Well, I was just making the observation that uh, um, generally everybody's reaction um, to – old people acting in a sexual nature is ew gross. Um, and, 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 and I'm, I'm not excluding myself from that statement, but I, I was thinking about this a lot after I saw the movie, uh, which is why is that? Why, why is it gross for old people who love each other to have sex? Um, cause there's well, nothing wrong with it. I think I have an answer for that because uh, basically I don't think anybody really has issues with that. Uh, but because again, most people have a sexual intercourse behind closed doors. Um, however, this was shown on, on screen and for folks who usually, well, no matter what age they are, uh, folks who usually want to see people having sex on film or video or DVD or whatever, uh, they always want to see, uh, those who are in their sexual prime. Uh, so, for example, the, the sex scenes between the, the porn actors in the film um, were pretty hot. And obviously, Ty West is trying to do a comparison between those and versus this just random two people having sex that are not, like, tens, like, like the ones in the porn film. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what it really is. It's not that people are, or think it's weird that older folks are having sex. It's whether you're 75 or 55 or 35 or 15, because 15 year olds like myself would sneak playboys or something that my brother had. We want to see hot young people doing it. So no, I get it. But it's, just, it's just the general reaction to old people as being gross. Oh, um, well, it's it not. I think that's all. I don't I even think it's the age, right, Mike? It could be be the physique as well. If they were fat well, people, I, no one would want to see that either. And and I'm I, not trying to be rude when I say that. But go on, Mike. I I think that part of it is that people with a healthy libido, when they watch people having sex might tend to imagine themselves in that position. And so they're perfectly fine watching attractive people have sex, because if they're imagining themselves in that role, they're having sex with an attractive person. Mm -hmm. And then they're having sex with someone who's not attractive, 
you know, who, whether it's for whatever the particular reason, uh, you know, that, that would be a turnoff. And, you know, and I think that that kind of blows back and you can kind of take that with the, there's a character in the film who is watching them filming them, uh-huh. film having sex and clearly is intrigued by that possibility because she's doing some projecting. And I don't know that that's any different than the audience. I mean, people don't watch a porno film and at the end say, boy, I'm so happy those two people fell in love. <laughs> no, I guess they usually, I guess they usually have to launder their socks. I just think it's kind of interesting because I think we can all agree um, that one of the themes of this movie is, is fear of aging. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody's so afraid of getting old is because when you get old, people don't want to pay attention to you anymore. Right. Mike said, Mike said they have to wash their socks for folks that missed that. Um, yes, I, I would I concur. I think that's the main point of uh, the, the Pearl. Uh, that's, that's the woman's name, right? Pearl. Um, uh, the older woman, yes. Yeah. Um, By the way, her, her, her coming out next month. That's that is correct. Uh, Pearl is that she feels forgotten or left out or missed opportunities or or something. I know. Last two weeks ago, when when we recorded the first thirty five minutes, we were talking about how don't you know waste your youth. And then I mentioned, however, some people get married at twenty three, like my. My friend's granddaughter, uh, he's 75, his granddaughter's 23. She just got engaged and is getting married in a couple of months. Um, obviously, she doesn't feel that she's wasting her youth. Well, you don't uh, have she's to... going to be spending it with her husband. But my point is, Mike, is that uh, Pearl most certainly feels an emptiness about something. Like, oh, and oh, and she's insane as well. On, you do not have to enjoy your youth. By uh, being a, uh, a libertine and, and, and banging everything that moves, it's it just that your opportunity, though. it can be fun. And, <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm leaving that to whatever anyone's personal opinion of morality and sex and whatever goes with them. You do you. Um, but it's the idea that don't that it is an opportunity that will be denied to you later in life. Whether you're taking advantage of that physicality with a, 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 a significant other, a single person, or spreading it around, or with multiple people, whatever it is that you're into, or if you know what, just taking short walks in the wood by yourself. Whatever it is that you do, it is a thing that's going to be harder to do after a certain age. And getting old, there are nice things about getting older to a point. You're smarter, you're wiser. If you were, if you had a half a brain when you were younger, which you probably didn't because you were younger, hopefully you are in a better financial situation. You have a lot of nice memories, hopefully, to draw back on. But your body falls apart. Your mind doesn't always work as well as it should. Uh, you know, you, you start feeling yourself more and more sidelined where you used to be like have your finger on the pulse of popular culture. Now you're like the oldie station, all these things. Also, there are drawbacks to it. There are advantages and disadvantages. And of course, the biggest disadvantage is that you're closer to being dead. 
Yes, that's and that's another reason people are not comfortable with old age because old age is just a nice reminder that we're all going to die. Yeah, and that's what that's what a lot of that laughing is about. It's uncomfortableness, and it's kind of what the movie is about, right? What Eric said. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's how we all. Yeah, we all have a fear of death, whether or not we like to talk about it. <laughs> yep, yep, it does suck, it does suck. Um, yeah, so that 75-year-old buddy of mine, he showed up at my house today to pay uh, $150 for our uh, football, fantasy football, uh, and was talking to him. And the first, I hadn't seen him since September of last year because of COVID, and uh, the first thing he said was, holy smokes, Phil, you're 40 pounds lighter and you look five years younger. I'll take it. I'll take it. That was a weird way to sneak a brag about yourself into the podcast. Well, you know, and, and for the last eight months, I've been <laughs> no, hit on no, more than I, I have been hit on any time in my life. So it's, All right, Phil, Phil is great. Let's move on. I'm patting up myself <laughs> on the back. You fucking braggart. Yeah, sorry. Um, anyway. Um, maniacal. Fuck yeah, that was kind of. That was kind of narcissistic, but you know, it's, it, 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 well, it made me feel good. That hell I think you have narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, he's a sociopath for sure. <laughs> Indeed. Sorry. Now that was just making fun of you, Phil. And that's all in good fun. All in good <laughs> fun. Hey, hey, I set myself up for, for bragging. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So it is uh, uh fair points that Mike mentions, fair points that Barrett and Eric mentions. And then my point is, is that everybody just wants to see young, hot people have sex. They, that's that's all I have to say about it. Versus all the fuck. I'm not saying and, and, I, 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 that was not my argument. I was just saying it's yeah. it's interesting that we all have a, a a reaction of disgust to old people. Right, and I have hey, a I'm feeling with myself. <laughs> and I have a feeling because we talk a lot about how America is very much a youth-driven culture and. You know, we do not maybe honor our, uh, our 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 grandparents as much as we should, as our old people as we should. We put them in old age homes to die and say we should more venerate them the way like they do in, say, in Japan. I just have a funny feeling that if you showed this movie in Japan, which I'm sure they have, people are still going to have that same reaction. <laughs> it's just because yeah. they're going to venerate their old people, but they don't want to see them knocking boots either. Right, right, right. Though they do have that weird... Japanese porn where they have elderly men having sex with 20 year olds so who knows what's going on over in Japan Phil, I, so we, no. you finally found out how to look up porn on the internet tentacle porn no less if it's Japanese. yeah I was going to say uh, now, if there were tentacles uh, that's a whole new game <laughs> yeah oh, I don't know, nothing about, I know that. about that yeah, yeah squid game means something completely different in, in Japan <laughs> it definitely does yes <laughs> Well, anyway, wow, uh, he just went off the rails. Uh, sure did, sure did. But this movie, this movie is all about porn, so it's kind of strange. indeed, indeed. Um, all right, so where do we want to go from there? So obviously, there's a lot of things that are noticeable about this film. I mean, there's obviously a weird thing that they decided to use younger people to play people that are in their late seventies. Uh, because Mia Goth is, is you know, like what, 20 something, and the guy that plays her husband, uh, Stephen Yore, I think he's only like 60 or 58 or something. <laughs> but they made him out to look really old when they could have just hired, you know, the the Christopher Plummer if he was still alive or something. So, <laughs> what, why? Excuse me, a prerequisite. 
Indeed. That is true. Uh, so why, why do you think they did go that route and uh, use Mia Goth? Uh, were they trying to have Mia Goth's character of uh, Maxine versus Pearl as like a mirror image? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. Pearl sees a lot of herself in Maxine mm-hmm. um, and, and misses the days of her youth when, when she uh, could have done what Maxine is doing now. Yeah, and 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 even then, it's is it? I mean, I, I guess uh, that is true, though. You know, most no, you know, no disrespect to sex workers, but most older <laughs> folk wouldn't want to say, "I want to strive to be just like Maxine." You know, that you would think they would say, "I would want to be strive like," you know, the 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 woman at the accounting building or the woman at the the, the well, we don't know this teaching. old woman's history, right? Thing. Well, and we don't know this old woman's history, so being a sex That's worker true. might be her biggest. You, you will goal. in just a few weeks. No, because Pearl is coming. <laughs> up. That's true. Well, and I don't know. I don't know when they came up with the idea of doing uh-huh. the Pearl uh, prequel. Because um, I'm under the impression that after they got done filming X, they were required to stay in New Zealand for a while because of quarantine rules. And at that point, Mia Goth kind of pitched uh, Ty West. and was like, do you want to do a prequel as long as we're here? Uh, and they actually got to, to get some good production value out of using all the, the same places. Um, however, I don't know when that discussion was have. I don't know if it was uh, intentional to have her be Pearl so she could be also Pearl in the prequel or not, but that could or could, May, might not tie into it. I don't know for sure. I I have a feeling. Um, I, I from what I, I understand, and I can be completely wrong about this, is that this was always a thing they intended to do, but because they were um, stuck in quarantine, it became. You want to do this now because I you got ah, to okay. bang out the script. I think. I think that's what it was. I'm not 100% sold. I do not believe there was a... I, I don't remember seeing a commentary track on my uh, my DVD for this, which was disappointing. Um, yeah, I, was, I would like that, hoping, too. I was kind of hoping to hear more about that there. Um, but either way, that was a thing that, that, yeah, that they decided, is that they're going to make the prequel. And so at some point it paid off, whether it was... Uh, a happy coincidence or pre-planning, we'll have to wait until probably uh, Pearl comes out many, many, many days from now. <laughs> about 20 of them or so. Right. And hopefully they'll talk more about the origin of that film then. But I think at the very least, it was just a matter of uh, of that symbolism, uh, of that the, the the mirror of these two characters. Uh, at the two different stages of their life, one just coming into her own and one with a kind of a foot in the grave and doing what she can to kind of cling to her life and resenting her lost youth. Um, and I think as far as the husband goes, I think once you uh, once you cast one old person in old age makeup, uh, if you have an old one old person in old age makeup, and another person who's a genuinely old person, 
and it made just make, yeah. makes this. Yeah. And they actually did a lot of filming around Pearl. You don't see her with a number of people in the same frame. There's a lot, especially earlier in the film where she's kept in shadows. She's filmed from behind. Um, you do eventually get to see the full Pearl for those who really want to <laughs> do that. Uh, no, I was paying attention to that when I did a rewatch, and uh, there are there are some shots where uh, Maxine and Pearl are, are well, it was when Pearl gets in bed with her, right? Uh, where they're actually together, and and she actually touches her at one point. And I was like, man, that's really they did a good job with that. And uh, in the credits, uh, they do list uh, body doubles, um, so they did have yeah, uh, stand-ins for Pearl at one point. So the only way they they would be able to do it, I would think, yeah. because there's only there's not real twins of Mia Goth. Um, now, why, why do you think they chose Maxine uh, instead of say Bobby Lynn or or Lorraine, for example? Do you think it was just because Ty wet? Well, uh, as the the one that Pearl would be based off of as the elderly. Uh, makeup was on on Mia Goth, the actress, rather than say Britney Snow or Jenna Ortega. Do you think it's because he just had to? Choose, I mean, Ty West has to choose somebody, so he says, "Well, you're the lead, so let's go with you." Well, right? yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's all I can think, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. because yeah, yeah, sure. Because you know, you can look at any of the three, and and they're all what we would call Hollywood attractive, which means they're they're like tens. So technically. You know, the Pearl character, no matter who played her, could have been infatuated with any of the three, you know, because they all look different, but they're all in the same plateau of, of beauty. So for some reason, she just got fixated on, on Maxine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's because, yeah, I mean, if you're going to write a story, you have to choose something. So, Well, and I was just about to drastically change subjects. <laughs> Did anybody have anything else to say on this? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to, I thought it was interesting. Um, the scene where uh, Jenna Ortega's character decides she wants to be in the film. Um, yep. Cause it was really interesting. Cause that, that's really where things start to go south for the group. And uh, I thought it was funny that her, like her hippy dippy, uh, director boyfriend who's like it's all about the art man um, <laughs> as soon as she wants to be in the movie he's like wait what no you can't do that that's not right <laughs> and um, I thought it was interesting to see that character's hypocrisy uh, and genuine emotional distress um, that contradicted uh, the words coming out of his mouth well, well and I loved that, his interaction that, with the other guy too, because uh, <laughs> he got the other guy was like once he called them basically not great women for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. The other guy was like, "Okay, I'm done with you now." <laughs> right, <laughs> and that's what I was gonna, that's what I was going to say is Sorry, that Phil. no, 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 that was fine, Barry. That was an excellent point because uh, I, I wanted to add to that exact point, which is technically I don't think he was out of line for, for saying that he was upset that his girlfriend was now going to be in the film because again, uh, these performers are performers and versus, you know, Jenna, I mean, Jenna Ortega's character Lorraine, who already chose 
what we thought was a certain lifestyle, which was to be the, uh, have this other guy as her boyfriend. But when she decides to become a porn star, basically, um, he gets upset. And I think that's valid, and I don't think that's hypocrisy. However, what Barrett said to show that he has some sort of uh, negativity to the performers is that he down or, or, or says bad things in a, in a way about the other two actresses by saying, you know, Lorraine isn't like those girls. So she's a nice girl. Yeah, yeah. she's a nice so, girl. <laughs> so I, I think I, I don't know. I guess they're they're trying to show some hypocrisy, though his reaction is legitimate. I think it's the hypocrisy comes not because of his reaction or how he feels about his girlfriend doing it. I think no, it's because he's involved with the making of it. That's that's the hypocrisy. Yeah, that, yeah. that's hypocrisy. And, and he looks down for, on the for, women doing it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's well, and I think this is. There's a lot in this film, and I, I remember when, uh, weirdly enough, I think a comment I made about bodies, 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 also in the, uh, which was the cream in this Oreo sandwich, um, in, in, in that it's like was the that we just did that, and that when when the the trailers were shown for X, a lot of people were like, oh good, A24 is finally just going to be doing this like bloody grindhouse horror film, and when you watch it, you understand it. No, it's, it's an A24 film. It's a smart film. It's saying a lot of things. It does have a fairly sharp sense of humor. And I did write down, I thought just the one where he just says, what is like the funniest line in the film? Because she's, because that's when she says, I think, you know, I, I, whatever she says, I want to, uh, I, I want to do it. And he's just, and everyone like makes some approving comment and he just does a double take. Cause it didn't register at first. It's like, what, what now? Um, but I, I think it's, it's, a, it's pointing out, yeah, the hypocrisy and that he's this, um, bullshit avant-garde filmmaker, right. Who's like putting in self-importance in his work. And, you know, reality is he's just as much a hypocritical asshole as, as anybody else in the real world is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just can be just as judgmental when it's something that hits him personally. It's very easy, you know. So Phil, you used the phrase "sex worker" earlier. Sex worker is that word that we're now supposed to be using, lest we get a finger wagged in our face if we say prostitute, hooker, porn star, escort, uh, escort, whore, whatever you want to yeah. say. Right, stripper, um, stripper, hole dancer. We're not supposed to say those things. We're supposed to say sex worker. Fluffer. As if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that would get a laugh. Anyway, so, um, but that's one of those, you know, that I think a lot of those people who say that if their daughter or son comes to them and says, you know, mom, I think I want to be a fluffer. Uh, I, I think they would have, they would, they, they would not find the respect in the business that they're trying to put forward. Um, <laughs> It, it's it's always easier to say that about someone else than it is about someone in your own family. And it just is. And yeah. we have, and it's like Eric was pointing out about the weird vibes about old people having sex. People get weird. 
about sex. We have hang-ups about sex for a wide variety of reasons. And some of it is uh, very cultural, and people talk about the, you know, well, that this is Victor- from Victorian the, the, the hangover the still. The Puritans, the original right. uh, settlers, were religious people who were fleeing religious persecution, and their religious freedom, oddly, was uh, very uh, conservative, to put it. Right. But like one of the reasons why they had kids get married when they were 15 is because they knew where they were freaking horn dogs. <laughs> and so they realized that was the only way to. Well, to, to... <laughs> there's, there's also the fact that the average lifespan was like 30 some odd years. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's like after from birth. If you made it to like 16, you're, you, you had a chance to make a pretty good chance of making it to 50 or 60. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. But I think that just it's a it's a human thing. I, I'm sure it is not just us. You know, I'm sure, as I mentioned, you know, if you, if you go to other cultures, yes, they may have different hang ups about sex. Like they may have uh, not be as hung up if you go to France about uh, nudity. Right. They may not be as hung up about um, about that or maybe. But that doesn't mean they want to watch everybody have sex either. Doesn't right, mean right. that they want to know, watch their parents have sex, or the parents want to have their know their children have sex. Doesn't mean that the the talk, which you know Phil's got to have to uh, get scripted out in a few years, um, <laughs> is going to be any less any less awkward. Uh, it, it it is just a, it's just the nature of reality, and part of it is probably because it is like a it is a weirdly vulnerable moment for human beings. And I think it just makes us uncomfortable to talk about it because it's a personal thing. It's true. Fair points. Fair points. And to flip it around, because it's a private thing, and we always look at it as a private thing, there's always this sense of intrusion when you're watching it. And right? I'm like sorry you're, to interrupt, you're, but somebody's bumping their microphone. Continue. So I think that also ties in with the uh, with that awkwardness, right? And there's all sorts of things that, that go into it. It's just we we have hangups. We're weird like that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's really uncomfortable to talk about, even with people that you have it with. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just something that's weird for people to, to talk about, and and might be a little more normal for people who are making films involving it, but still it gets a little weird. Yeah. And that's a fair point. Um, uh, you know, I mean, uh, um, it's, yeah, it's just what it is. Um, but Mike's best point of all was, yeah, you, you have, have certain people talking about, you know, they support it or they, this or that. And then when it, hits home when they find out their spouse or their children or their parents, then it's, it's, it's a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so yeah, that's, it's, uh, is what it is. I I mean, I don't, I don't want to say the people who do it are, uh, doing anything wrong because again, do you as Mike said? But I, I, I'm not going to poo-poo anybody 
who is upset when they find out someone close to them is doing it, even if uh, they're not judgmental with people they don't know that do it. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I, I was just pointing out that in the context of the movie, it's hypocritical of that particular dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think by him saying that about the other two women in the film that he's working on is what nails the you know you know nails the coffin to him and what mm-hmm. he's really thinking. Because prior to that, prior to him saying that, um, you feel bad for him, and he's not even even if he is. The director, even if he's a hipster that's and, and, a, and a jackass, but I can see is is upset him being upset. But then when he he poo poos the other two girls, that that's the demonstration of, of okay, that that's that's just rude. Um, well, and also the fact that he's willing to just like abandon them all there. <laughs> yeah, he's basically yeah. like, I'm taking my van and going home. Well, yeah. yeah, how'd that work out for you, buddy? Yeah, well, that, yeah, <laughs> so that, that's that, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, I mean, you know, some people just have to deal with things their way. But yeah, I mean, abandoning them—that's bad. But again, at that point, no one knew there was a murderer and two crazy people. They just thought they were eccentrics that were renting the property. Um, well, they sure find out. Well, it's yeah. funny but that of which I actually I was, have a question. Because uh, I actually paused it when I was rewatching it and still couldn't quite tell um, the the body they find in the basement. Is that the director? No, we leave okay, it somebody else. It's just a random a random person that we know. Okay, about. all right. Yeah. I th- I thought it might be, but it was it was it looked they showed it so quickly in in the dark I couldn't quite tell. Sure, sure. Now, Barry, you're gonna ask something. I was going to ask something. I was going to say that I thought it might be, a, you know, an alligator killing people movie from the beginning when you see that alligator, which I really oh, love. It is. I love that scene where she's in the water and it's up above and you see the alligator. That overhead shot is amazing. Yeah, it's just yeah, a well, cool that shot. A, that, was a, that was a ripoff from uh, a Last House on the ref, Left remake because they do that in that film, too. And it immediately it reminded me of that film. Um, but anyway, continue. I just wanted to give dibs to the director of the remake of Last House on the Left because he did it too. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I've seen that too. But um, I just really like that with the alligator getting closer. I thought it was one of the coolest looking scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Another it cool is, looking scene in the movie. Sorry, Mike. Chekhov's alligator. Yeah, Chekhov's alligator. Exactly. Uh, another yeah. cool <laughs> looking scene in the movie is is right at the beginning when they're. Um, the old guy is showing them out to the house when they're going across the field. It's, it doesn't look exactly the same, but to me, it totally had the same feel as that shot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Uh, when they're following the girl up to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like it, it had such strong vibes for me of, of that movie. I, I'm, I'm sure it was intentional. Um, on, on Ty West's behalf. Um, there, there's a lot of TCM in here. <laughs> it's just as oh, far as yeah. the vibe goes. I thought it was pretty cool. Good resonance. Yeah, and you're not off, Eric, because I, I read a lot of reviews after watching the film uh, that, that 
said the, the this film here obviously took a lot of references to such films as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the mm-hmm. original. Yeah. No, and I really, I really dug it. Uh, I really dug the whole '70s vibe of the movie. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was uh, interesting that he chose to go um, retro uh, or period piece. Um, and it, and it does work because I, I guess technically they, they could have de- well maybe not right because nowadays you, you just get a digital recorder use and, your and phone you yeah exactly yeah. You just use your phone yeah that's what people do right now as a matter of fact so um, so yeah yeah if to get his point across you have to make it period piece too yeah well, again, I also I think- really enjoyed the look of um, the supposed uh, porno they were they were filming the farmers daughters. Um, which according to the trivia on IMDb is an actual porno that was released in the seventies. Um, mm. but just the look of that, I don't know if it's eight millimeter or 16 millimeter. Uh, but the look of that, I just thought was really cool. Wait, you didn't say something? Well, I was saying, I think I say this is where I don't know what was cut off or not mention the, the, the reason why this was set in 1979, right? And that's that it is just by the date signifying that, incoming of a new era which they're already talking about because you're on the verge of home video porn yeah and by the time you get to uh the 2000s i guess uh i don't know my porn history that well um you you now have moved to digital porn which is a completely different thing Mm -hmm. so yeah i think they if to do the story they want to tell i don't think they could have done it at any other point in time Absolutely, I concur. Because this has to be in the aftermath of things like Behind the Green Door. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? Oh, you know what? I, I think my favorite scene was uh, when um, uh, Bobby... Are, are, we in, are we in spoiler territory now? I don't oh, yeah, know. We've been in spoiler territory. Yeah, okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, my favorite scene was when Bobby Lynn was singing... Uh, the Fleetwood Mac song and uh, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Wayne, I think it's Wayne, right? Uh, was playing the guitar and stuff. So I, I, th- I thought that was. Oh, that was. Awesome. Uh, wasn't Wayne? Wasn't Wayne? Oh, was, uh, uh, was Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, it was Jackson. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was awesome. That was awesome. Some good tunes. Kind of like it. Um, they got they got. Well, the and we we've got to talk about the kills, right? <laughs> Yes, there, yes, there, 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 there are some pretty good kills in this movie, and and Chekhov's alligator was one of them. <laughs> yeah, that well, one was I'm, the most disappointing because uh, she was my favorite character, uh, Bobby Lynn. So when she died, I was like, I'm bummed. But man, that alligator got her right on the head. That was awesome. <laughs> it, it it was it was pretty pretty intense. Chomp. Yeah, Mike, you were gonna say something. I was going to say, so again, I don't know if we mentioned it, the idea that the uh, the characters have foreshadows of their death. And so Bobby Lynn, when she's walking out of the, uh, the quote-unquote club at the beginning of the film, uh, there's a picture of a, a satire of the Calpertone ad where there's a blonde who's having her bikini pulled down by an alligator. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. uh, the classic Coppertone dog. And of course, she ends up being eaten by the alligator. Yeah, and and it also shows you don't help people, Eric, because you'll just get punished. 
because she was she was trying to help Pearl. True, true. And Pearl was a dick. (laughs) Don't help. No, she's just misunderstood, Phil. Uh, Yeah, but the the Night King, the Night King was not a human, so it's it's much different. The Night King was better because he wasn't people. People sucked. That's why I was a supporter of the Night King. I was way up. Pretty cool. Yeah, push work was good. Yeah, and uh, oh. What, Mike? Yes, Mike. Uh, never mind. I was jumping into the the kills. I didn't realize it was, it was still going. Are we still yeah, arguing with Night King? No, I'm not. So, I was trying to move on. Okay. Still okay. So talking on the show. No, so we talked about the douchebag filmmaker, uh, and the yep. douchebag filmmaker right has that conversation with a girlfriend and says, "Well, what about um, like when he says you can't just change the movie midway?" And she says, "Well, what about Psycho?" They say, yeah, but that was a horror movie. Right? That's different. And then immediately he goes, takes a shower. <laughs> and then dies. A horror movie. And he dies being stabbed by an old woman. Um, and signifying the shift over to a horror film. Uh-huh. So I, I appreciated that. So there's like another little, little nod. Uh, and the deaths do start coming pretty quickly after that because I think is the next one um is um, the next one Wayne with the Wayne. with the yeah with the pitchfork, yeah, with the pitchfork. Yeah. uh and again he said this this movie's going to make your people's eyeballs pop out so again that was forecast <laughs> uh, and again I, if I'm repeating myself I apologize cuz I don't know if we got this on or not last No time. you said it off air I'm like it's fine Okay and then um let's see uh so the alligator the the psycho bit the eyeballs coming out. Oh, and then you get um, the prolonged scene of uh, Jackson helping uh, the husband uh-huh. um, try to find what happened to Pearl. And well, and there's another cycle reference when he's, when that's going on because they they see a car in the swamp, right? Yes, they find the car in the swamp. So that is a clear cycle reference. And but he also had said earlier when he was talking about his experience in Vietnam you know, that he was uh, had had a lot of farmers pointing guns at him. He got tired of far, far, and of course, what happens? He ends up getting shot by the old farmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was nice. It also was interesting. He enters the door completely naked. <laughs> right. I think that was just for the laugh of the silhouette shot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. But don't you think that that was just playing into stereotypes, though? I'm just saying. Yeah, but it was still funny. <laughs> well, well, he's, I, he's like, a porn actor. That's a stereotype. Yeah, I know. His I know. Race doesn't matter. Well, I, I seen again. I don't remember. Is like they have the the moment earlier in the film where they they cut to the gas station, and when they cut to the gas station, what they actually do is they cut to a big black cock. <laughs> Because there's a rooster, black rooster, right in front of the camera. Okay. They cut to the big black cock. I thought that was funny, and I didn't catch that the first time. The second time, because then it, you know they're, they're going to go to there where like uh, Bobby Lynn is telling him how to film him filling up the gas, so it looks like he's filling up the gas tank with his dick. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're foreshadowing the big black cock. I just thought I, I thought that was a very funny, like little innuendo that they had in there. Um, 
And yeah, so he gets shot and uh the church mouse ends up locked in the house, right? Locked in the basement. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody else there and uh also flagrante, right? You can see his wiener hanging out along with some other parts of his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just the cor- so the corpse, right? Yes, I mean the corpse. Just, just so you know, I did because I was curious after watching while I was watching it since it was my third watch. Uh, if you're keeping score, uh, by my count, it was boobs ten, cocks three. <laughs> boobs still win, and and I want to, and and in fairness, I was counting the boobs once for the pair. Right, so you could technically double that. Um, and then there was the the, the sunbathing scene, not some of the swimming scene where she's doing the skinny dipping. And I didn't count those because you were way far away; you really couldn't see anything. But if you wanted, that could bump the count up to twelve. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Well, let me ask you this: um, other deaths, obviously, uh, Jackson was killed by the farmer, the the, the man. How many of the the group were killed by the, the woman versus, meaning Pearl, versus her husband? I can't remember. And I well, think let's see. the director got killed by her. Yeah. Um, the, the, the writer and cinematographer gets killed by her. Um, she also kills uh, Brittany Snow. She's an accessory. Yeah, I, I think I think I think did Pearl kill uh, the producer with the pitchfork? Was that her? Yes. That was her. All right, so so Pearl killed everybody except for Wayne. I mean for Jackson, except for Jackson. If I'm not oh, no, the, the, she he, Jenny Ortega's Jenny Ortega's character was killed by the um guy. Her husband. Okay. Yeah, because gotcha. he had the shotgun. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, you know what? I hear, I'm sorry for hopping around. Uh, another scene I shot I really liked right before Wayne gets stabbed in the eye <laughs> is they do the uh, A Quiet Place scene with the knife, uh, not the knife, the nail in the board. Oh, yeah. And it's, what's, what yeah. I loved about the shot is they just put the camera on the nail. Right. And in one shot, you see him walk up to it and step on it. Now, I know it's a prop nail or a prop foot, one of the two. <laughs> right. The fact that they still did it all in one take, right? They didn't, like, just cut, cut to him or, screaming yeah. or cut away. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought that was, a, that was a nice single take that they managed to do that with. And, uh, and yeah, props to and, them. You know, it's funny. His, his thought process was exactly my thought process, which is, God damn it, I'm going to get tetanus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, well um, to be fair, what the fuck are you doing walking around in a barn without an excuse on? <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Told you. Could have been people much. just going to the woods and getting angry at bears being there. It could have been. Could have been uh-huh. much worse for Jackson. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, wasn't that's... his feet that were bare. Anyway. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um. Yeah, so so presumably so, they've been doing this to people for some time. Yes. Uh, people just come to the house, and for all the the stuff they talk about earlier in the film, 
uh, these are not their first visitors in a while. You know, these are uh, that they well, have, and they just find apparently reasons I, to. I guess they put an ad out for for renting out their boarding house, right? And then when people get there, uh, they trap them so the wife can have her way with them and then kill them. Yeah, and I don't remember who it is. If it's, um, uh, I am going to uh, guess it was Maxine who comes in the house and grabs a milk carton and drinks some milk. Or no, wait, I take that back. It was uh, Jackson. Jackson takes the milk that they were using for them to the prop milk for the uh-huh. milking scene, and so he takes the milk out of the refrigerator and drinks it right after the scene in the basement. And if you look on the milk carton, there's a missing picture of the guy in the basement on the milk carton. Oh, I totally missed that. And uh, I did have to see some places. Well, first of all, I thought I think that was weird because I don't remember them having full grown adults on the milk cartons. I always remember them being kids. Right. That's my memory as well. Yeah. The adults, I thought they put on like uh, whiskey bottles. Uh, <laughs> but. Apparently, this also was several years because I did look it up. There's just a couple of years before the actual uh, missing kids on milk cartons campaign started in the 80s. Uh-huh. Nevertheless, uh-huh. I thought it was a cute little Easter egg. And, you know, it's just a weird. I didn't act. even notice the carton at all. Just something else to keep an eye out for, along with the big black cock. <laughs> uh, right. So these are just little cute things that that the director put in like, like we see in, in a lot of shows or, or yeah. movies. Yeah. And actually another little cute thing I liked is like the, I think it's the first shot of the film. The cameras are is set after in the aftermath. The cameras yeah, in yeah, the that barn. Little opening is, uh, yeah. And right. The cameras in the barn and the barn doors frame the shot so that it's basically, I got, the, the, I got so mad when I saw this at the theater for a second. Cause like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is going to be in four by three ratio. <laughs> well, again, the reason being that that's the, that's the ratio for porn films back in the day. <laughs> right. And then the it widened out as they, as they got out of the door and I was like, Ooh, that was really kind of clever. Right. That is it's, exactly it's a clever what I thought little too. thing. It's an it's an in joke. It's um if you know something about filmmaking, I think, and I, I just thought that was I appreciated that too. I said the, the the film has a very sly sense of humor. It doesn't call attention. It's to the jokes the way say like airplane, no offense, uh-huh. airplane, brilliant film, uh, does. But it's 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 there if you really look at it and pay attention. I think a lot of it, uh, more of it stands out when you rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's always the benefit of doing a rewatch, which and I've in the past lamented not being able to do rewatches of a lot of films we've done. Anyhow. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. And then, you know, what, what ends up happening is. Uh, uh, oh, right. Speaking of old people having sex. <laughs> so the old people have sex and he doesn't want to have sex because he might have a heart attack. Uh-huh. And I think we could call this a heart attack. Chekhov's uh, Chekhov Chekhov. sexual heart attack. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a heart attack when they're having sex though. He has it after uh after the girl makes a noise and she he thinks she's dead. Right. But probably brought on by the strenuous sex he had just before then. Hmm, maybe. Maybe brought yeah, on by the 
by the sex, maybe brought on by the murdering of people. Yeah, (laughs) all that stress. Yeah. Uh, So, and what did y'all think about the uh, the reveal at the end um, that she was the daughter of the preacher on TV? What do you what do you you think? Is there any uh, thematic meaning there? Um, you, you know, I mean, it kind of reminded me of, uh, that, uh, Taylor Swift's brother film. What the heck was that? We are the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Where we find out that girl is the daughter of the, um, the preacher too, you know, and the yeah. preacher. It really so, didn't change anything. It just made it interesting. Cause she said the same words that he was saying on the TV. Uh-huh, so right. That that was interesting. So I guess he had a larger effect on her than she probably thought. Right. Sorry, Phil. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, that was that was. I just needed to remember that movie, and it, I was just gonna say that it reminded me of We Are the Darkness. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they could have left it out, and it wouldn't have mattered, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um. And also, let me ask you this: She's driving away. Um, of course, she's on that camera that they found at the crime scene, so the police might catch up to her at some point. However, that was harder in the 70s than it is now. Um, do you think that she is now a killer and wants to do that more, or was she just trying to get out of there and looking out for herself? Oh, I, I think she was just getting out of there. I, I, I didn't see that as her, like like that movie, Becky, or whatever it was called, where... Mm-hmm the girl may become a murderer. I, I didn't see that um, in this, this character at all. I just assumed it was more of a, um, a deep breath of, of relief. I re- I agree with you. Um, I didn't get that feeling either. It was a breath of relief, but I also get that feeling that she didn't really care about anyone but herself. And so she could easily devolve into that. It wouldn't be much of a step. Well, well, I, I don't know about that because wasn't she the one that tried to save uh, uh, Lorraine? Right? She did try to save her, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't. I didn't you feel that. Yes, but I mean, you know, you, at, at that point, everybody was dead except her. So, she could have just run away, right? Yeah, but but as we say, as I always say, you once. You take out the person, you make sure they're dead. Well, I think she did a pretty good job on Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Driving over the head was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, that, and was, she, that was a nice double tap. And she should sleep well at night. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I would have to say that if... If there's no sequel, she doesn't become a killer. Okay. Right. If she becomes I, I a think, sequel... Yeah. She becomes whatever the sequel says she's going to become. Yeah, I mean she's she's going to be damaged, and I don't because of the PTSD and also the loss of her friends. Because it, it, even though she was working on a film, it seems like she was uh, friendly with all the with the producer and the other performers. Mm-hmm. So you know they they were killed. So she, she'll have issues, but I, I don't I don't think. It, it is, um, psych, you know, that she's going to be a killer. Unless, like yeah. Mike said, they, they want to make a sequel and say, oh, well, I wish she was her as a killer. 
No, I think so too. I was just asking. And that's kind of what I meant. She could easily ease into that. They could make a reason for it, but um, I agree with uh, you. She clearly I has no problem doing it if it's required. Yep. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, uh, I think to be honest, most people should be that way. <laughs> when it's required, you you make you you want to sort of take those bastards. I mean, out. If you're, you're going to take somebody out, take them out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not scumbags. Up again. Especially scumbags <laughs> like that. That's for sure. Um, let's see what else do we want to talk about but that's the other thing Mike is that you know we're talking about a lot of the stuff here and a lot of it oddly we're talking about our um, the Easter eggs and things like that and yet you know it is an A24 film and you mentioned that it's not fully Grindhouse but you know what all those people that said awesome A24 is making a Grindhouse film you know, it's it, it can be looked at as a grindhouse film, even if it does have. I mean, it's def- they, it definitely got elements. Eventually, it just takes you know, you know an hour to get there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think this is sort of like. Oh, it is, and we've used. Oh, this is the. I think. Well, it has the by. nudie stuff. They have the nudie stuff, which is grindhouse too. So. Mm-hmm. So the first half is is nudity and second half is violence. But go on, Mike. That the standby example or the go-to example for this that we always use is from *Dust Till Dawn*. And a lot of people really love that film, but some people like are bothered by the fact that it starts out this really awesome crime drama, then it turns yeah, into it a silly, silly vampire flick, uh-huh. and then and then some people are just all they want is the silly vampire flick, and they don't want to deal with the the heavy handed drama at the beginning. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people came into this, and I'm not saying they're wrong. If you go to the restaurant, you order. Uh, order a lobster and you don't and you get a crab instead of a lobster yeah you should send it back so people aren't happy with what they got here fine but they were expecting i think a little bit more porn and a little bit more violence and blood and and the fact that they had to sit through uh you know skin of max level porn. basically the waiter kept on telling them here have some more breadsticks Exactly. They got <laughs> some breadsticks. They well, got right. big, and, you know, and then black breadsticks. They have the scene, you know, the music scene, which is like five minutes, and it's like, yeah. So the grindhouse people are going, I don't want to watch this. I want to, I want to go back to the, the exactly the tits and, and boobs and 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 uh, the heads getting squashed by cars. I don't know if anybody was actually expecting to see porn, porn in this because you know it wasn't the. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, no. But I don't mean porn um, like that. But I'm talking about like the no, but yeah, seventy-five, you know, midnight films that came from Europe that have all the nudity and and our slasher films, you know, that have all the chicks. With the, I think the people were expecting running. it to be more of a Friday the Thirteenth kind of film or the Burning or something along those lines, and yeah, yeah, it yeah, isn't right. what they got, at least not for the first half of the film. So right. I, so again, it's it's a matter of what you're in the mood for mm-hmm. um but just know a24 films are still going to be a24 films and they're not just going to give you for lack of a better term lowbrow horror well and also if you've experienced ty west's movies before you really should have seen it coming <laughs> well you know some yeah. people talk about his his first film which was the sequel to cabin fever and that yeah. was just pure grindhouse you know yeah but yeah, it was the devil very slow was that, his first film? that was just like yeah. third film wasn't it which or one? did he just 
the uh, Cabin Fever two. Well, that was the one that that was his first big film, and then then he started, then he did De- uh, House of the Devil was the second. You know, oh, okay, the, the I thought he that, did House of the Devil Innkeepers, and and I thought I didn't even know he did anything before House of the Devil. Okay, yeah, yeah neither did I. Yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I just I'll, I just had the order of films really uh, backwards, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look right now. Uh, yeah, so well, they both came yeah, out yeah. in two thousand nine. So okay, oh, they both came out in two thousand nine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the innkeeper is the sacrament, and then in a valley of violence, which was the, the I forget I remember that. And then uh, X and Pearl of this. this. Oh, in Valley of Violence was that a western? No, that was uh, never heard of girl. It, huh? it was like a. Oh yeah, you're right. It was that western. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's um, a in that one. Yeah, okay. Hawk, John Travolta, and Tessa Farmiga in a Western? Yes. How bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. It, it got pretty good, decent reviews, too. <laughs> I'm saying it's not a surprise that Ty West made a, made a film where a lot of it was very slow paced. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I would concur. Ironically, in a sacrament. I think it's less slow paced slow paced than what you got in House of the Devil and um Innskeepers. And mm-hmm. I think but maybe it's just because there's boobs there to keep me interested. Um but I think there it's it's just a different story. I think it's and there's also Innskeepers and House of the Devil had a much smaller cast. Mm-hmm. And so here you have a lot more dynamics. You can cut back and forth between different characters and different storylines, even if nobody is dying at the moment. Um, yep. you could have the giant, the giant, the giant crocties. Um, well, and I also think it shows that, and this is going to sound hoity toity as hell. And I apologize for that in advance, <laughs> but I also think it shows that Ty West is maturing as a filmmaker. Um, because we've been talking about all these themes that are in the movie, right? Um, unless, and unless I, you know, maybe I'll go back and rewatch, see if I missed something, but I don't recall any of that in his earlier films. Um, so I think he's doing more with his movies now than he was at the beginning of his career um, and and still delivering some good horror uh, in addition yeah. to that. And, and I'm not going to say I've necessarily loved everything he's done. I did really enjoy House of the Devil and I did really enjoy Inkskeepers. Um, oh, actually, Sacrament you know, was awesome. <laughs> Sacrament was the best. Well, Sacrament was like this weird, like, knockoff Jonestown. Yeah, that was right awesome. because it's not because <laughs> like it made it made it did like. But we're make, talking about X, right? But I'm just saying. But it, I'm just saying. What's weird about it is that it doesn't even try to hide the fact that it's Jonestown. It's basically Jonestown right. with all the names. <laughs> so it's just this weird cover version. It's pretty awesome, too. Yeah, but anyway, but it, he always does something interesting. Is what I was going to say, and so I'll keep as long as he keeps doing things that are interesting. I'll keep checking him out. Uh, and I'm guessing this was successful. I mean, we are seeing the the ads for Pearl. We just saw the ad for Pearl in front of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that in theaters. September is going to be a packed month. Uh, yeah, thank God. <laughs> there's uh, Don't Worry Darling and uh, uh, Barbarian and uh, Pearl. And I'm sure there's other things. Uh, Jaws coming back to theaters this weekend. IMAX, uh, right? Or, or next weekend. What's that? IMAX, baby. In IMAX or 3D, yeah. you have a choice. Now, I know Eric does not like 3D, so that won't be his option. Ooh, Ooh 3D, that's kind of interesting, actually. How about 3D IMAX? Can you see it in both? 
Yeah, no, maybe. I was looking for that. At least around me, it's all you can see it in IMAX, hmm. or you can see it in 3D. I've not seen the you 3D option it. advertised in, in at least in my theater. But yeah, but, so, but but as Eric keeps on saying, we're we're, we're talking about X. But I'm yeah, God damn it, Mike! Yeah, you, you got him with Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely so, got him with Jaws. Uh, let's see what what else we we got. Uh, on the, on this one here, um, what are the things that we missed that we wanted to bring up? Well, one of the scenes I really loved was the lemonade scene. <laughs> okay, so I forget that scene. Oh, it's uh, the, right. What's that? Oh, it, it, they're filming part of the porno about lemonade at the same time that they're having lemonade up at the house. Right. So they're doing the scene where uh, Jackson. Walks in on the farmer's dumpster, uh, and she offers to give him, I don't remember if she gives him milk or lemonade or water, whatever it is. And at the same time, they're intercutting this scene with uh, Maxine and Pearl, where she's, where Pearl is basically seducing Maxine. And they're like, they're juxtaposing these two, uh, these two things to emphasize, the, to, to basically take the erotic undertones between Maxine and Pearl Right to add to the the feelings that Pearl is experiencing, and turning that into blatant text mm-hmm. with with uh, Jackson and Bobby Lynn, and I thought that was really well done. No, that was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, what else? Is it else? Oh, I'm looking. It's. I don't actually take notes, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's been been two weeks uh, since we, we had this. Yeah, I did not watch it for a third time before we recorded tonight. All right, let me ask you this: What did you think about was the point of the cow? I don't know. You mean as the beginning splattered on the road, right? Right. Is that just symbolism that they're they're? Oh, I think they're, that was they're, 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 they're about to being led to slaughter. No, yeah. no, I, I no, I think that was a a play on. The armadillo in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, or, or could be multiple things. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I think it's both. Well, to, to be honest, you could argue that the armadillo was a was a symbolism of everybody being slaughtered too in Texas yeah, Chainsaw. Right. Yeah, that's why I think both seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else? Oh, really? Uh, let's see this. <laughs> uh, well, 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 I'm trying to make sure that there's no no dead spots in the recording. Editing. And people will go, man, this podcast sucks. They don't have nothing to say. Yeah, no. Pretty much once you get to the good <laughs> stuff, for lack of a better term. Uh, stuff just comes flying at you, right? I mean, it, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I'm well, looking at all the notes I have before RJ gets in the shower. Yeah. And then RJ gets in the shower, and it's just like noting how people died. Well, <laughs> to be honest, the, the best scene of the whole film was Bobby Lynn's uh, pawn scene. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I got to go with the gator. Uh, yeah, but, but Bobby Lynn's pretty hot. Yeah, and but that, 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 that's movie. different for being best scene of the film. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that's enough to make it the best scene, in my opinion. 
But Phil, you figured out how to look up porn on the internet. You don't need it in your horror movies anymore. Uh, (laughs) Now you've heard about a new one, Japanese tentacle porn. Hentai. (laughs) H-E-N-T-A-I. I I dare you to Google it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I I know what that is. Yeah, that's the the anime that's for for adults or something. I know that stuff. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of anime, so I know what you're talking about now. It's one of those those words that you, you read, but you never say, have said it out loud, and so it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Now when I, you spell it, okay, I got it. But like hyperbole or hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole. Oh, my wife, I, I heard told the Patriots made it to the hyperbole. That's right. I, I heard my wife told it was maybe you, Eric, uh, the prefix versus prefix. I love talking with your wife, man. Yeah, she's she's Wait, awesome. Did you say did you say Pricks Fix? Is that the, the yeah. over the counter name for Viagra? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I was talking about uh that, that predetermined price for a menu at a restaurant and I, I never heard it said. I only read it. And so if you don't know how to Say it. It just—it's pre as in Grand Prix. Yeah. So I was going prefix, prefix, right? Yeah, prefix. (laughs) So, so yeah. So I said it wrong early on our dating, and she thought it was like insane. And yet she still stayed with me. (laughs) Uh, That happens. Ask her about that, but I didn't have time. (laughs) Too much wine. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So back to Hente. No, no, back to X. Back to X. Uh, um, I mean, was was uh, was Maxine everybody's favorite character, or no, no, Bobby Lynn by far. You like Bobby Lynn better? Yeah, well, plus she's a great singer. I mean, that was fucking, she was fucking awesome. True. Well, she's been in all the Pitch Perfect movies, so she better be a good singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And she was a great. Uh, a lead in uh, Would You Rather, too, as the actress. She was great. You know, I may have seen that, but I just can't remember it. If 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 I saw it, it didn't stick. Oh, that might be a good one. So Th- that might be a good one. What? Uh, I'm oh. I'm trying. Oh, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain after. I'll explain offline. That, oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, that is a good film. Um, but yeah, Bobby Lynn was my favorite character. Um. Uh, she didn't have any agenda, I feel. Mm-hmm. And 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 she kind of liked everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, she had an agenda. It was to bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's most humans, to be honest. I just I just had a picture of her uh, holding up a little notebook with a list on it. It just said one bang. <laughs> that's her agenda. Uh, that's true. I think this movie, I think this movie, uh, like Phil was saying, the, the, the people who are, who are attracted to it because they thought they were going to get a gore fest, uh, might've been a little frustrated for a little while. Uh, however, I do think, uh, this film is a delight. Uh, if you enjoy noticing filmmaking while you're watching a movie, I know that's not everybody's thing. Um, 
but but I personally like it. And like Mike was pointing out with that shot at the beginning that comes out of the door, you think it's going to be in a, in a four by three ratio, but you're just in a doorway and then it winds out. Uh, some of those shots reminiscent of TCM, the overhead shot of the alligator. Uh, there's some really cool filmmaking going on uh, with this movie. Yes. And, and, and to be honest, it's uh, all um, uh, good for, for those people who are looking for blood and boobs, too. Yes. It has, has plenty there. of both. It has plenty of both. Yeah. Pretty cool kills, you just too. Have to, you just have to remember, you got to get your boobs first, <laughs> and then you're going to get your blood. This is like the people who have to have every portion of their meal separately. Right. They like eat the, the entree, then they eat each individual side. You know, this isn't like the 80s where they just mix the boob and blood together. Right. Right. Yeah, it's definitely separation of boobs and blood like church and state. Yes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> or right boob and left boob. <laughs> well, unless they're really big, then there's no separation. Well, no, there is. That's that is, of course, the separation is important because that is what creates the cleavage. <laughs> That's all it's all good. It's all good. Uniboob. Yeah, Jack. Nobody wants to. Um, uh, I I think we're running out of gas, fellas. Yeah, maybe. All right. All right. I have no idea how long this podcast has been going on because it's been for two weeks now. <laughs> Yes. All right. So uh, we've been going on for about an hour and 40 minutes or so. So I guess we can get into uh, what we've been watching or news that anybody wanted to bring up. So uh, uh, I guess uh, I'll start since I usually don't have anything and I do have something. Uh, I have been watching She-Hulk uh, and we, we have a, a side podcast talking about that. That's really good. And I've been watching House of the Dragon. And we have a side podcast about that. One so word far, answer, Phil. Is that worth watching? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think okay. everybody concurred that it was pretty good. The the, the first okay. episode. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would t- I would take a look. At our, uh, that was more than one word. Yes. Okay. Just the one. <laughs> um, but uh, the main thing I've been doing uh, besides that, because I'll talk about those other things on the side podcast, is uh, I've been playing a, a new video game that's I think five months old, but I downloaded it. Um, and it's called The Quarry, um, and it actually has a really good cast, uh, Ted Raimi and, and uh, Lance Hendrickson and all that, and, and they, they do um, motion capture or something, because uh, and, and the graphics are just unbelievable. They look like real people. Um, and it's kind of an uh, adventure game, uh, like you have to make decisions, and so it's like a movie that you kind of make decisions similar to Life is Strange or or the Walking Dead game that Mike likes, things like that. You do some stuff like that, but then you have to make choices. And um, it's a horror game, and it's basically about this group of uh, campers, um, not campers, but, but counselors at a camp that are about to go home, and the car doesn't work, and so the guy that runs the camp who's played by um uh courtney cox's husband from the guy that's in scream david arquette david arquette yeah, thank you yeah thank you so, the, guy so that, he's the, in it. the guy from eight-legged freaks yeah that's exactly and uh so he has to tell them to stay inside and of course 
they don't stay inside because they don't know they're in a horror film. And they decide to have a, a beach party down at the lake. And then everything goes to crap. And you control, I think it's nine characters, and you each, you control all of them many times in like eight stories, chapters of the story. And depending on what you do, uh, they will live or they will die. And um, the deaths are pretty, pretty massively um, bad, like real horror film deaths. And uh, it's kind of shocking, too, because you, you kind of like the characters. Some of them are obnoxious, but, you know, generally you like the characters. You are the characters. So when they die, it hurts more than, say, a character in Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. And... Um, uh, so yeah, I recommend it's, it's a really good game. We've got good reviews and I can see why because the graphics are absolutely phenomenal as are the, the backstories of the characters, as well as the adventure game aspect, as well as the horror element. Um, so I uh, recommend, uh, and so far, uh, my, my goal is to keep the hot chick alive. And so far she's, she's surviving. So that's very important. <laughs> um, so, so that's, so here's my question. Yes. Here's my question. Yes. Let's say uh, Eric Webster were to be playing this this game. Yes. Would he have the opportunity to punch Ted Raimi in the face? You know, um, <laughs> no. But you but you could be mean to him because his character is kind of obnoxious because he's a police officer. So, uh, but yeah, you can't punch him in the face. Uh, um, it's opportunity. Yeah, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still, it, even though you can't punch him in the face, it's still a, a high recommend. Um, you know, and, I bet that would sell if they made a game just called punch in the face and had a bunch of 3d renderings of celebrities that you could just like hit your controller left, right, left, right, and punch them in the face. I bet people would buy that. Yeah. yeah. I would I, I, assuming I, you're starting now. Here's my question. Is Nicolas Cage level one or is he like a boss fight? <laughs> I think he has to be a reward for, for accomplishing something. Okay. So, by the way, uh, speaking of House of the Dragon, Matt Matt Smith, very, very punchable in the face villain. Okay. Just saying. Makes sense. So what was the name of that game again, Phil? Uh, the Quarry. The Quarry. Uh, yeah, you can download it. Um, from Xbox. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, high recommend. I think you would like it, Eric. Um, cool. And uh, actually, I think everybody here would like it. Um, and that's pretty much all I got uh, for now. So, uh, let's go to you, Eric. Um. Well, uh, I went to bodies, bodies, bodies with you guys in person uh, last weekend, which was fun. Um. We did record an episode on it. I have no idea when Phil's going to release what. Because... Coming out tomorrow. Coming oh, out is tomorrow. it coming out tomorrow? Cool. Uh, so you can hear our thoughts there. Uh, and by the oh, way, you Phil... know what's interesting about the recording, Eric, is is uh, we hear crickets in the background the entire time. Oh, I bet. I bet. And I bet I'm also one of the few That's people awesome. that can be heard the entire time because I am boisterous. Uh, and then since then I was busy, uh, tooling around new England, but, uh, I did go to a double feature yesterday. Uh, I went to the theater and I saw, uh, lion puncher, AKA beast. What was it? 
It was not great. Um, it wasn't horrible, wow. but it was just there. Uh, completely <laughs> predictable. Um, I, I did, in fact, get to see Idris Elba punch a lion, which is really all I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> so I, was, I, I had no expectations, so I wasn't disappointed. Uh, the CG lion in the movie, actually, at the beginning of the movie, looked pretty decent. Um, but then as the movie went on, um, without any, giving away any spoilers, the lion does take some damage at one point. Uh, and after that, I thought the lion looked progressively worse as it got closer to the end of the film. Oh, um, I think having the little, uh, the hit point indicator above it was a, the tra- it was a <laughs> uh, so, I mean, wait, wait for rental or streaming on that one would be my advice. Um, and then I went and saw orphan first kill, um, which is a prequel to the 2009 orphan. Now, if you've seen the 2009 orphan, I'm not. I'm gonna not spoil that movie at all because you should see it. It's a good movie, um, and there's a twist in that movie. And given what that twist is in that movie, the fact that they, twelve years later, made a prequel with the same actress is kind of bonkers. Uh, <laughs> and when I first heard they were doing this, my initial reaction was, "What?" <laughs> Uh, I, I went and saw it with very low expectations, and uh, I, I had an absolute blast <laughs> with the movie. It is a whole lot of fun. Um, it's one of those things, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, where uh, if you're looking to poke holes in it, you can poke a million holes in it if you want to. Uh, but I was having enough fun that I didn't really care. Um so I, I thought Orphan First Kill was a blast and, and would recommend it. It is, uh, I think, on Paramount Plus as well as in theaters right now. Um, and you can also pay outrageous, outrageous digital rental price if you so choose as well. But uh, my movie ticket was like one third the price. So go see it in the theater if you can. What if you haven't seen the original? Watch the original first. This, okay. is, this is a case where you should absolutely watch the original before you see the sequel. Good You'll know. like the original, Mike. Uh, I mean, Barrett's really good. So. It's actually a pretty great, pretty great movie. So, just so you know, Barrett, I, I'm almost certain I have it on digital. I don't remember who distributed it. Is it Paramount? Yes, yeah, Paramount. Uh, oh, the original. Um, yeah, I forget. Yeah. Or is that Warner Brothers? It could be. I, I don't recall. Because the, the sequel's Paramount, so you would think. I mean, that, anyway, that would oh. seem to follow. <laughs> The only reason I mention is because if it's on movies anywhere, uh, I can actually loan out my copy digitally. Oh, oh neat. So I, I'll have to take a look and see if I can do that. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, Orphan's a good film. My understanding, Eric, and it, this annoys me because people do not use the term properly, uh, but I have heard it said that it is a campy film. Would um, you say that it is campy? Yeah, 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 to a certain extent. I mean, let's put it this way. The, the, the movie is, once you get to a certain point, the movie is ridiculous and it knows it's ridiculous. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's fun. That's a good thing sometimes. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's, that's all the movies I've been watching. Um, other than that, oh, I listened to an audio book um, while I was driving back and forth. Um, 
it took me uh, uh the book was long enough that I listened to it uh let's see eight hours from here to Rochester another six to Connecticut and another six on the way back so 20 hours uh approximately of listening time uh for this book called Library at Mount Char C H A R Char um and it's not going to be for everybody, um, but it's one of the more original pieces of fiction I've experienced in, in quite some time. Like it felt like when I was listening to it and, and it was a gift to me by, by my older brother. He was like, Hey, you're going on a trip. I know you never read anymore. You only listen when you're on road trips. So here's a book for your road trip. Um, and it, it was really, um, I I'd never experienced anything like it to the point where, uh, at least during the first half of the book, I kind of felt like I missed part one because uh, the author just drops you in the middle of everything and doesn't really do any exposition for you. So you're you're experiencing things that you don't understand and he doesn't care. <laughs> he just he gets to it eventually, but but in his own sweet time uh, and, and is not afraid to leave you confused for a good portion of the story. Um and but it has a mythology and a um, kind of not an explanation, but a basis of uh, magic or at least uh, what might be perceived as supernatural powers uh, that I'd never seen in any other work of fiction. Um, so if you're looking for something uh, original, uh, I would check out Library of Mount Char. Now, is that a uh, mystical realism or is it horror or fantasy? It is. Um, there's a lot of violence in it. But I wouldn't call it horror. It would be more of a uh, mystical adventure, I guess. Yep. Is it in modern world? Yeah, it is in modern world. Okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Brother must have good taste. There you go. So uh, that's, anything else? That's what I've been checking out. Yep. Okay, very good. Uh, what's going to be bad? Um. Well, I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with you guys over the weekend in Mystic. Um. And then I'm watching the same stuff Phil's watching. I'm on both of those podcasts. And other than that, I didn't really watch anything else this weekend. We were uh, in an Airbnb and just kind of read and hung out and then hung out with you guys. So that was pretty much it for a while now. All right. Sounds good. uh, Speaking of uh, those side podcasts, Eric, uh, I did it from my car and pouring rain up near the Canadian border. Um, uh, because, uh, we were at a bed and breakfast and, uh, or in, I should say. And, uh, obviously I wasn't going to be podcasting while my wife and kids were trying to sleep. So it was interesting. <laughs> it was the first time I've ever done that. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah not as that. obvious to me, but that's okay. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. Yeah. It came out pretty good. So, yeah, we released that episode this, uh, this morning. As a matter of fact. Did you have like a laptop with Wi-Fi or something? Yeah. I had a laptop with okay. Wi-Fi with, from the end. And then I used an, Instead of another PC, I use my my Apple phone, and I, I spoke through Apple phone. And then we cool. use Zoom, so I didn't have to worry about Skype or anything like that. So it worked out pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I could do it again. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and now let's go with you, uh, Mike. Uh, well, I also just got back from watching Beast, uh, which I watched this afternoon. And I liked it actually a bit, but I almost saw the lion uh, punching film. That's Lion Puncher. Uh, what I liked a lot is that um, Idris Elba, for the, 
for those who know him as an actor, is not only he's a good actor, but he 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 has a physique that is it is kind of godlike. Uh, so when they actually that. when they put him, they I don't think so. When when they put yeah. him up against um up against the lion, uh, they do I think a fantastic job of just making clear how overpowered even a very tall, strong, fit human being is against a lion. Well, uh, and, and I also thought with without spoiling anything, there's a there's a moment where the lion's trying to get at him and he's concealed. Um and there had to have been some combination of physical effects and and CGI going on there. because uh, the thing he's he's hiding behind um is is moving around uh because the lion is moving it while he's trying to get at him. And I thought that that particular scene was was really convincing in that manner. Yeah, I think that's, that's, I think the lion was was really convincing. Like I'm a sucker for nature horror films. Uh I I'll agree. I don't think you're missing a lot uh by by waiting to watch this at home. But I've certainly seen much worse. Yeah. Uh, especially in that genre. And, There's way worse CGI animal movies out there for sure. And and I also I agree with Eric. I think for most of the film, the CGI is really pretty convincing. Um, I'm not even sure how much of it was CGI and how much wasn't. Uh, there, there's certainly, I texted, uh, I don't know if you uh, got my message, Eric. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah there are definitely uh, two clear checkoffs in this film. Um, and I also was thankful because this is a whole film, this is like a killer animal film. I was really waiting to get some like very special message at the end about how many lions are killed every year by poachers, which would have felt massively epicritical. <laughs> but, it's, but it's sort of like, you know, at the end of Jaws saying, so many sharks are killed every year by fishermen. It's like, yeah, well, that only happened Jaws. because of Jaws, though. So they weren't, weren't going to do that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it just. Uh, yeah. So I was. Yeah, so I liked it. I did like it. I did like that. I had finished watching. um uh, something that is an all ages thing, uh, Camp Cretaceous. For those of people who are dinosaur fans like myself and Chrissy, and is that animated? Uh, look, it is animated. It is five seasons. They just finished. It's the the end of the se- series. Um, because it's for children, uh, I hate to break it to you, you do not see a lot of blood and gore, but you really don't see a lot of that in the Jurassic Park films anyway. You do get people eaten by dinosaurs off screen. And I think they do a better job of finding a way around the dinosaur dilemma than uh, some of the last few movies did. Uh, I, I think it's and there's it, a I crossover with X, which is that Jenna Ortega does one of the voices. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. But I actually think if it's if you're if you're willing to watch an animated dinosaur film or not film but dinosaur animated dinosaur story, I do think it's worth checking out. It's uh, all available to stream on Netflix. Episodes are like twenty minutes. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, well, I think it's worth your time. Uh, I was just finished rewatching, uh, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. And I really was grooving on just how much Sam Raimi really is in this film, right? How much of himself he puts into this movie. And I know it's the, the, the movie's not perfect. It definitely has its problems, but man, there's there's all these little Ramiisms that I enjoy so much, and it, that I and that would not in any way stifled because he was making a Disney product. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what else we're watching. Oh, I've uh, been watching What We Do in the Shadows, which I think has had a decent fourth season. Um, and I think that might be it. Oh, the last, not the current season. We were like, what Pam and I are so far behind on TV shows. Uh, and there's certain things that she wants us to watch together. And so one of those is American Horror Stories. And Phil, the, the, not this season, but the last year's season of American Horror Stories was called Double Feature. And it's split into two halves. By halves, I mean, I think it's like seven of one episode of one story and five of the other. The second story is is all about uh, alien abductions, uh, and Ooh. and Roswell, and there are and there, there's a there, there's a whole gray subplot, and really what's fun is that it's basically uh, uh, Eisenhower and Nixon, and what to do when they find the crash saucer out in the desert. Uh, you would probably enjoy it. That is Phil Catnip, if I ever heard any. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So you can find that on Hulu. Uh, and again, you could just pick it up because it's a split season. It's a story. Like first seven episodes are vampires in New England story, uh, and which is all about artistic pretentiousness. And uh, the second story is is UFOs and uh, and their attempt to make a human alien hybrid. So you might enjoy that. Sounds awesome. You think that's it? Sounds good. Uh, anything else for anybody? If not, I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this film here. And uh, but before we do, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it wherever we got this one. My dog just looked up because anytime I, I say that, she knows that. I'm wrapping up the podcast because I say it every <laughs> time she's saying it. Uh, and uh, Mike, uh, me, you, Barrett, and Sean Fox are doing a podcast on the spinoff of Game of Thrones. Yes. That is a Decimation of Dragons, uh, a House of the Dragons podcast that we are trying to do at the same time we're doing another podcast. And so scheduling is a little difficult. Uh, but the first episode, I think, just dropped today. That is true. So you can hear our thoughts on that first episode, Heir of the Dragon. Uh, and if you are a fan of, the, of Game of Thrones, especially if you're a fan of the political intrigue of Game of Thrones, uh, I would certainly recommend giving a shot. This is not something that the uh, uh, former producers, uh, Dave and Buster, or whatever their names were, uh, were... Uh, <laughs> Had anything to do with so, uh, but and oh, and uh, most importantly, sex position is back. So, oh, right. <laughs> I repeat that. It's much more. I, I think like, sex, sex position. Game of Thrones. Uh, yes, 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 yes. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and uh, Barrett, uh, me, you, Mike, and Sean Fox are doing another podcast about a superhero. We are She-Hulk, Avenger of the Law, Marvel podcast. Yep, indeed. So weekly podcast on that television series that's on Disney+. Plus. And Eric, uh, me, you, and Mike sometimes do uh, another podcast when we have some time. Yeah, that's never going to happen again, so let's not talk about it. You're going to be doing five weekly television podcasts soon. 
Uh, no, no, no. We're just wrapping up these these last two here that we just started. <laughs> so, Eric, Eric, are you are you watching football again? Uh, I generally don't watch preseason football. Or but only the preseason. Starting again right after Labor Day, so cool. Okay, so do you just like record all the all the games and watch them all at the end? No. <laughs> I pay for the Red Zone channel, which is commercial free. And shows me the best oh. parts of all the games all day long. Yeah, but HBO is commercial free too. Not really. They usually have a little ad at the beginning. Oh, I'm sure there's ads somewhere in, in the NFL advertising NFL shit. <laughs> but either way, it's a cinema a la carte, right, Mike? What's that, Mark, uh, Mike? What's that all about? I just I just thought you hated watching things week to week. That's all. Yeah, well, don't be an <laughs> ass. Just go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're asking him to change his nature? Oh. No, he's just he's just being an ass because he took had an opportunity to be an ass and he can't help himself. I know, right. It's no, I nature. can't help myself. Like, I choose not to. Don't don't bite me, snake. <laughs> Fucking scorpion. <laughs> uh but uh yeah, the cinema a la carte is another podcast that we do on the side, me, Eric, and Mike that talks about uh, other films that aren't necessarily fitting into the Dark Discussions podcast, so thrillers and dramas and comedies and and westerns and things of that nature, and that comes out. Uh, yeah. we, we do not have other podcasts to record. However, we do have a few in the in the the bag that will be released uh, uh, shortly, uh, so we can throw them out uh, monthly uh, or bi-weekly while we uh, do the She-Hulk and the house of the dragon podcast. So we do have enough in the, in the, in the can. Enough in the can. So, uh, for folks who are curious for some of our listeners named Pam, uh, what t- day we are recording this, uh, since this is the second half of a recording that was supposed to be done, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, the second half was recorded on August 25th, 2022, which is today. Um, all right. So let's get into our final thoughts on the film X and, uh, let's start with you, Eric. Uh, I really like this movie. It's probably going to be on my list at the end of the year, unless we get an incredible number of really great movies between now and then. Um, I really enjoyed the filmmaking aspects of it. I thought there were some great kills in it, um, and I would I would recommend it. All right, sounds good. Um, yep, it's a good film. Um, I had high expectations because of the the hype. Um, and uh, so, so uh, after seeing it, I, I was like, okay, all right, it's 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 what it is. But uh, it's really good. Uh, I would concur with Eric that uh, it'll probably be on my end of the year list somewhere. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, it's definitely uh, worthy of that and uh, recommend. Let's go, you, Barrett. Yeah, I like this movie. It's definitely a recommend on my part. I'm not sure where it will fit in my list at the end of the year. Um, I'm guessing it'll probably be in my top ten, but uh, you never know. Uh, definitely go see it. It's worth seeing. It's got a lot of good kills and some really good camera shots. And Mike. Yeah, I think this is a fun film. Uh, it's not, most of it isn't as over the top. Maybe as some people wanted, uh, like I said, a lot of the humor is fairly wry, very sly and can easily be missed. If you're not paying close attention, uh, you're going to have to deal with the boobs at the beginning and the blood at the end. So you have to be patient. Uh, if that's not going to work for you, just fast forward. Uh, but yeah, I like this a lot, and I'm with Eric. This is going to be a top ten film for me, probably top five. 
All right, sounds good. So, uh, once again, this film is uh, directed by and written by Ty West. It stars uh, Brittany Snow, Mia Goth, Santa Ortega, Martin Henderson, Owen Campbell, Stephen Ure, and Scott Mascuti. Uh, the film was released on uh, March 18th, 2022, uh, in the United States. Uh, we are picking up its uh, as an episode uh, as it hit streaming. And uh, the film is getting uh, excellent reviews from critics, as well as many fans who are okay with the type of film that it turned out to be, rather than the, um, I guess, uh, you know, similar to, as Mike said, a, a Burning or, or a Friday 13th or, or, or one of those type of films. Uh, but it's, uh, it still fits in that category. But it also has a little more to say, too. Uh, and uh, that's why I think A24 picked it up. So, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you do this up? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about X. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Mm-hmm.